Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Bullshit. We are back in 2017, first episode of the new year. How you doing, Jay? Not bad. Yourself? I am doing okay. As always, I'm joined by my illustrious co-host, Jason Boissonneau. Gorgeous co-host. Go- handsome. Gorgeous. Smart. That's garbage. No way. Not a chance. <laughs> Not gorgeous at all. <laughs> uh, so, again, bringing you the best and bullshittiest of that Northern Ontario has to offer. That's why, that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, so we're going to be continuing our commitment into the new year to bringing you interesting people talking about interesting things, doing cool stuff in Northern Ontario, Timmins and area. And tonight we've got a very, very special guest joining us, our member of provincial parliament, Gilles Bisson from the NDP, the provincial NDP. How you doing tonight, Jen? I'm doing. I'm doing fine. Yeah, you're doing pretty good. You fed me a beer. Yeah, you said you. come on over. <laughs> how can any northerner resist? That's what we should have now. Jay was yeah. talking before we started that we should put a sign out front that just says, "You know what? When we're having it, when we're having a podcast, it's just like an open invitation. Yeah. Anybody who wants to come, come, drink, come have come have some fun with Half us. Half of the town will be here." <laughs> So, Jean, what we do here on Beer and Bullshit is exactly that. We drink beer, we talk bullshit, we talk about anything and everything that comes to mind, and you are a person of interest who uh, we've been looking forward to having on the podcast uh, for the past little while, and we're really happy to have you here tonight. So uh, thanks again for coming and joining us and being a good sport and uh, having yeah. some fun, drinking some beer with us. Well, let's let's just do it and uh, relax and have some fun. <laughs> so one, one of the things that we... You know, we'd like to get a little bit of a background. We'd like to get to know our guests a little bit. Is um, how you know? Obviously, you're a member of provincial parliament. You're you, you've gotten into politics. You've been in in politics for a long time, right? Not is that giving away? No, some, no, uh, I've been some... 20, 28 years, something like that. Yeah. So you started when you were what? Fourteen? Uh, right? Actually, sense? I was fifteen when I decided to do it. Oh really? Absolute story, yeah. yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about how how you got started, how the, how the political bug bit you. Well, it, I think originally it was my family. My mom and dad were very political. My dad was a communist, my mother was a liberal. <laughs> exactly. A yeah. communist. My dad was a small business person who ran his own business for years and he identified with the communists, which I didn't. My. And he and my mother was a liberal. So we used to have these wonderful conversations over the kitchen table where my brother sort of went, oh, I'm not talking to you guys. <laughs> and my sister and I would engage her father and argue with him and say, how can you do that? Joseph Stalin, he's a bad man. Uh, but uh, it, it was sort of like we'd always sort of talk about what was going on, you know, what was mm-hmm. happening in our nation, what was happening in the province. And when I was 15 years old, I was in grade 10, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I had a wonderful teacher. And teachers are often uh, the people that, you know, sort of get us going when we're, you know, teenagers, we start thinking about things. And I had a guy by the name of Monsieur Boisvier. I don't know if anybody remember him. He's retired now. He's still around. And uh, he he invited originally Jean Rouen, which was the federal member of parliament, uh, to come and talk to us. And Monsieur Rouen came in and he spoke to all of the members and all of the uh, students in in the class, I should say. And it was like... Hmm. I wasn't too interested in what he had to say. There was there was something there was something about him that just didn't quite strike me the right way, type of thing, right? And then uh, then he invited Bill Ferrier, who was the NDP member of the day. This would be back in the early 1970s, and uh, oh, very early 1970s. And 
and I thought provincial politics, that's where it's at. Like it's about the environment. It's about mining. It's about forestry. It's about hospitals. It's about schools. I thought this is really cool. And I remember sitting in class and there was a buddy of mine. Uh, uh, I I'm trying to remember his name. Portsugi, Ed Portsugi. And him and I sat in the class and we're looking and we decided, man, this is for us. We like the politics stuff. And we both identified as New Democrats. And I decided at the time that I would run one day and I would run as a New Democrat. And a big part of it was that experience I got in school. Really? Okay. So you, what pulled you specifically to the New Democrats? I, 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 be, I bet you it has to do – and I, I forget the exact year. It's the Trudeau mania election, 68 – 67, 69, whenever the that's year the was. That's the first Trudeau mania yeah, for well, all you was, millennials. <laughs> I think the second one's a maniac, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> we'll, we'll get that into just, that That's just me. But anyway, uh, so uh, I, I'm a little French kid going to French school. And, uh, and of course, all of the teachers and uh, all of the school board, they were all big into Trudeau, right? And uh, they got the Hollinger Park, and they brought all the kids out in the buses. And we went to the Hollinger Park to see Mr. Trudeau. And, oh, we were supposed to be excited and we were supposed to be – and I remember going there and thinking, boy, oh, boy, like all these people are excited, but about what? And then I, I came home and my dad – this is when he stopped being a communist, <laughs> decided to become a new Democrat. He uh, said, uh, Tommy Douglas is in town. And Tommy was the leader of the party at the day. And he got to speak on the back of the tailgate of a pickup truck on the corner of, I think – Third and Birch or Third and Alum Maple, somewhere around there. I don't remember exactly. Anyways, uh, and I remember Tommy standing back there and talking about issues. And it was maybe a couple hundred people there to compare to the couple of thousand kids that were at the Hollinger Park. And I remember thinking, man, this guy makes a lot of sense. I like him. And that's kind of where I, you know, from that point forward, I remember being very disappointed that we had lost that election uh, against uh, Mr. Trudeau. Mr. Roy was elected. Mr. Murrow Martin was diselected, and I think that was sort of the beginning. That's where I decided I was a New Democrat. Really? Yeah. See, that that to me is fascinating because it, it's providing a little bit of historical context. You know, some, how how somebody gets pulled from having these communist influences. In the, <laughs> it wasn't in the, it oh. wasn't water torture. Where they sat me there and they dropped water on my forehead. I I want to tell you, no, no, it was just. It, it just it just seemed to me at the time, Bill Ferrier and, mm -hmm. you know, later on in life and earlier in life, uh, uh, Tommy, it was like these people were talking about issues that were important to me. And I mm -hmm. kind of identified, I knew I wasn't the ruling class. I wasn't the, you know, the big, the big money class. I was, my, my mom and dad were business people, but they were hardworking and, you know, mm -hmm. made money, but they weren't extremely rich. And I just remember identifying and saying, if government is about anything, it's about making sure we all get a, you know, we all get a break in life. And that's. That's how I identified. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's really cool to hear that because I think a lot of people have lost that kind of aspect of government these days. And, you know, we sat here with Charlie for uh, for an hour a little while back and we talked a lot about people's disillusionment with government and, and politics in general and people not being involved or active citizens uh, in that regard. Do, do you find that there's been a lot of that? Uh, in in your career, have you seen a decline I, I, in public engagement, not, that kind of thing? I, I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to go against the current here. I think there's always been 
at all times of politics, whenever it was the 1960s or now, even before, a certain amount of people that would say, you know, I'm disconnected and I, I don't want to be involved and I'm mad at all politicians. But every now and then comes an election where somebody stands up and uh, all of a sudden gets people excited. And if you look at the last federal election, I, I don't like the results, but clearly, you know, uh, Mr. Trudeau was able to do that mm-hmm. and get a lot of people to go out and vote for the Liberal Party where they weren't going to do that at the very beginning of the election. And again, I, I want to tell you here, I didn't vote Liberal. I voted for Charlie Angus. Uh, but hey. but I understand. <laughs> no, no, but I'm making a little Would bit of fun. Would have never thought. <laughs> I mean, I'm just making a little bit of fun. Yeah, yeah. But, but my yeah. point is, every now and then somebody comes along and makes us believe again. And I think the danger is, when people like that get elected, uh, Mr. Trudeau, and I don't mean to say Mr. Trudeau is Mr. Trump. Mm-hmm. I would never make that connection. No. But the same kind of thing with Mr. Trump where all of a sudden a lot of people decided to vote that didn't vote. When those relationships sour with the individual voter, the individual citizen, then it takes a while for people to come back. But eventually they come back. Yeah, you think that that trust can be rebuilt? It can be rebuilt. And well, I and I think – because people want to under, people want to know – that at the end of the day, you can make a difference. And I, I've always been a believer that government uh, is there if we do it properly in order to level the playing field and give people an opportunity. In Canada, uh, we, could, we developed a really unique system of government over the, uh, over the years where we provide health care for all our citizens. We provide social services that are not seen in a whole bunch of other places in the world that allows us to live with some dignity when we get sick or we get to, you know, unfo- in an unfortunate situation. I was at the TCN today, the Tivin Survivors Network. It was their 25th anniversary. I got to go to the 20 I w- I got to go to the first one 25 <laughs> years ago. <clears throat> but the point is here's a here's a lot of people in our community who suffer from mental health issues. My sister was one of them. She was schizophrenic. She passed away from cancer a few years ago. Uh, but organizations like that and our understanding and support for people has never been as good as it needs to be, but it allows them at least to be able to have some dignity and live with some, you know, some semblance of, uh, of, of dignity. And I think that's what makes us difference. And that's why everybody comes back to politics every now and then, because they want to believe you can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like there's, uh, and, and obviously that sort of political identity is really well embodied in the NDP platform? At times, at, at I, I'm going to be I'm going to be very blunt. I think at times yes, at times not. I think it really depends on what's going on, you know, in that particular time with politics generally. Sometimes the public doesn't listen to a particular party, either conservative, liberal, or NDP, because they're thinking another way. Mm-hmm. But generally, I think our party has always tried to reach out to those in our society who say, "Listen." You know, nothing wrong with somebody making a lot of money, nothing wrong with somebody getting rich, but we can't forget that they have responsibilities back to the rest of us, and we have a responsibility as well. And mm-hmm. and I think that's that's what the NDP is all about, is making sure that everybody gets a fair break at life, everybody gets a, a fair start with a, a good system of public education. If you get sick, you don't fall into a healthcare system that bankrupts you, mm-hmm. uh, that you have rules uh, that make our life a little bit more bearable as far as being fair for everyone. And do you think that it's it's a fair criticism of, of a statement like that to say that there's really no way to disagree with that kind of with with those kinds of statements like to say you know what every political party would like to represent that but in it to varying degrees my frustration as a new democrat (laughs) i have to say listen it it is because most the, the thing that i find frustrating 
is that most people, conservatives and liberals alike, people who identify as conservatives and liberals, identify with their values. But what happens every now and then, people get enamored with a particular politician or a particular sort of wave in the way that it's going, and they forget about that. And I think they want to believe that, for example, the last provincial election, people really wanted to believe that Kathleen Wynne, Kathleen Wynne was going to be the person she put herself out to be. And people looked and said, okay, I'm prepared to give her another chance. Then all of a sudden, we find the reverse. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to get into that a lot. but Yet. Well, maybe <laughs> later, maybe later. But my point is, is that people wanted to believe. People yep. wanted to support her because they wanted to believe that she could make that difference. And then when she doesn't, then people get disillusioned. And the frustrating part for me, part, part for me as a New Democrat is that I say, well, didn't you guys see this coming from the beginning? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's always been the same with the liberals yep. and Tories. They make the same promises every time around. And we, people want to believe that it's true and they go back and vote for them and we end up back where we are. Uh, I got a question, but before that, we were talking about, you know, the party essentially will have everyone, depending whatever party are, they're all pretty well, they want to do the same, just different ways. But I, I, I do recall there have been times that we've spoken, uh, you've mentioned, and I always thought it was interesting saying that a, like a moderate conservative and a, I guess, moderate NDP, NDP uh has much more common, I think they would like to like uh, admit. Like if they, the two of them got together, they'd probably make a pretty great party just because you would, you know, like they're really not that far off. Not not say that far off, but they, you know, I'll, I'll say like a red Tory. Uh, they understand a bit of the social stuff, but they have the the economic I, side. I think like, I think the issue is is that both the conservatives and your Democrats have principles and beliefs, mm-hmm. and the conservative says I believe that the economy should be such, and this is the way that I would get there. And the New Democrat believes the economy should be such, and we should get there as well. How we get there is different, different. but we have, a, we have an ideology, and we have a belief, and we have a conviction. The liberals are about power. Yeah. That's the part that frustrates me as a New Democrat, and I, I know frustrates conservatives, is that the liberals are about, okay, what do I got to do today to stay in power? And I, pardon me, but that's really what it comes put, down to. Put your to. finger to the wind. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know what? Because I, I was going to get a little bit cynical yeah. on it right there to, to say that, you know what? This this idea that we have so much in common and that a conservative – like this whole left-right kind of spectrum there that everybody – Some things you, aren't left-right right, though. You're either on the left or you're either on the right. Some of them aren't. No, and, 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 and people can hold different points of view on Absolutely. different issues, yeah. right? So you, yeah. can't, you, you can't just say, oh, okay, well, you know what? You vote this way, so this is your political identity. But this idea that, you know what? We probably all have a lot more in common than we realize that we have in common. Yeah. And yeah. if we – you know, if I can get a little conspiratorial – you know, uh, some people may have some. Um, you like uh, my father? <laughs> no, no, but, but some people may have some stake in dividing us, yes. right? Oh, in keeping absolutely. us divided no, into these small groups. And, I agree. And I agree. And, and you know what? Uh, you want you want to call them members of the Liberal Party? I, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but the, this idea that you know what certain politicians or political uh, political groups want to hold power. And yeah. they feel that that's the best way to run a society, then yeah, you know what? They they probably got an interest in keeping people thinking. You know what? You're a conservative. You're a socialist. Oh, you're I mean, this. You're that. Like yeah. If you look at the liberals, they don't run on anything in particular. They run against. 
You know, uh, mm-hmm. oh, Andrew Horvath and the NDP, oh, what happened to you, said they in the last election. Then they attacked the Tories. They didn't really run on anything of their own. They tried to make themselves out to be progressive. But, uh, but I want to come back to your point, which is, and, and I agree with you, is that there, there, there's a whole bunch of issues out there that are neither left or right. And some of us in the political, you know, some of us as citizens and some of us as politicians and people involved in political parties try to make it political. But, you know, gay issues, is that left or right? I don't think it is. No, I, I shouldn't think, be. Listen. I, the, the, <laughs> when was the last con- time you talked to a social conservative? You know, to somebody who is opposed There's to, a few. to gay Strong. marriage based on... There's a few morally fiscal the, fiscal liberal uh, social conservative right yeah, that's, the, that's but, but my what my point is on 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 what would be a more divisive issue normally for the conservatives which is you know gay rights and and people who are homosexual or lesbian uh, or transgendered or whatever it might be you would think that's an issue that's left not right but it's not no because there's a lot of people in the in the political right who are actually pretty progressive mm. on that issue mm-hmm. now there are some that are not mm. but guess what they're some in my party as well, but they're not in the majority, and you don't hear from them. So, so my point is some issues aren't left or right, and I think the mistake that's made is that both on the left with the conservatives, on the, and, uh, with us, the New Democrats, and on the right with conservatives, often what ends up happening is that you try to make those issues left and right. Mm. And, I, and I don't think they are left and right. I think equity is equity. Do I believe and do you believe, if let's say you were a conservative, that people should have fair access to good laws, that, should, that people should have social justice? Absolutely. Why, why wouldn't we? Yeah. Right? Yeah. But how we get there is a different thing. Or, or even the definition by which we uh, – or the way we define those words, right? Uh, what, what we mean by those terms as yeah. well. The, yeah. that, that, might, that might have some there, – there might be some minute differences in that. But we have a lot more common ground than people realize. Yeah. And, and just to touch back on the – like you say, the whole um, uh, like gay marriage issue or gay rights issue, um, to say that uh, you know, the LGBTQ community is – a left-leaning community is like saying that. No. Well, because uh, of course you can't find a fiscally conservative yeah. gay man. No, of oh, course not. A whole bunch like, of them. You know, yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> they're, they're yeah. Probably in better financial shape than I. Well, they so. own kids. They <laughs> don't spend money on that. Their yards look great. Well, <laughs> no, you know but, what? It, it's 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 very but, true. Like you can't just always divide people into small well, groups no, when it's politically convenient. No, I think where there's a huge difference between you Democrats and conservative, and this is why I'm a new Democrat. How we get to some of these issues are important to us. For example, on the economy. You'll get those on the right who will say, less government, get it out of my face, and that's going to solve all the problems and everybody will be able to make money. Well, I don't believe that's the case. I think if you have no rules, it'd be like having a highway with no speed limit. Mm-hmm. There's people that are going to speed and there's people that are going to get an accident. Then there's people that are going to die as a result of having no speed limit. You have to have speed limits. And it's the same thing when it comes to an economy. You have to have some rules that say if you're going to run a business, you've got to respect the environment. You have mm-hmm. to do things in a sustainable way. You have to respect your workers. You have to have labor laws that respects the right of workers. You have to give back to your community so that your community can benefit from your economic enterprise. And, and you've got to be respectful of people around you. And yes, make money. But those things, I believe making money, are not, uh, how would you say, uh, exempt 
from being able to do those other things. And I think that's where, as a New Democrat, I believe social democracy is about those things. If you look at Finland, you look at Sweden, look at, look at Norway, look at Germany and a whole bunch of European nations, that's how they're structured. They're structured mm-hmm. in saying the economy, yes, make lots of money, absolutely, but there's going to be some rules about how you're going to do it so that we're all able to benefit from the labor's uh, you know, from the from the benefit of the labor of some. See, and 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 I don't think that a um, logical thinking conservative could necessarily disagree with something like oh, that. Oh, they do. They but disagree I, with me all the time <laughs> on this stuff. <laughs> no, but 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 the way that that I see it, and and just again playing devil's advocate because I I, I tend to agree with with the the statements that you're making right now. But this this idea that if you get government out of the way that you know, people will be able to prosper more. We're about to we find out with Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but we we can't necessarily. I, I think it's hard to disagree that in certain situations that may very well be the case. Like I'm sure anybody you can survey anybody who's tried to deal with the government and had to deal with the red tape <laughs> and the regulations to get through. And sometimes it just didn't make sense for their their particular in, situation. In some cases, yeah. but red tape makes sense in a whole bunch of other cases. I'll just use it as an example. The food industry. Mm -hmm. We have rules that say that you have to treat uh, the production of food, the storage of food, the transportation of food in certain ways, which makes a lot of sense because you saw what happened with Maple Leaf uh, Foods. Remember, Mm -hmm. Uh, people got sick and uh, as a result of food that was improperly handled within their, 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 uh, their plants. So, there's good reason why we have rules in place to make sure that we're made safe. On the flip side, I've got uh, Monsieur Nadeau and Capus Casing who runs an artisan cheese company uh, and uh, La Capasquoise, which mm-hmm. is very, very nice cheese, by the way. Uh, if you get a chance, no, please it's stop excellent. in. It's, it's very good. But my point is the regulations in this, these cases are made for large industrial cheese plants. Mm-hmm. They're not made for artisan cheeses. Mm-hmm. So why not have rules that reflect artisan cheeses that say, for example, the French, the Spanish, and others who make artisan cheeses, don't put them in fridges. They don't wrap them in plastic. Mm-hmm. There's a reason because they're cheeses that are made to be consumed and are made to be left, you know, treated in a certain way. Unlike the cheeses that you buy out of Maple Leaf, uh, wherever, mm-hmm. uh, crackle yeah. whatever, barrel or whatever, yeah, 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 yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, so regulations at times have to be changed. But my point is, not all regulation is bad. We no, need speed, right. speed limits on our highways. <clears throat> yeah. We need laws that govern mm-hmm. us as far as criminal law, et cetera, et cetera. And and when I hear a right winger say, "Oh, there's too many regulations and red tape, and we got to get rid of them all," that's that's a free for all kind of society. And I, I don't think we want to go back there. And I say, like, one example, really, like, and it's, it's not anything derogatory or anything, but you look at a, a failed state like Somalia or arguably Afghanistan, there are zero laws in place to let you get away, but nothing gets done because there are no laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do not have any authority. No one has authority to actually, you know, set people, put people, not put people in line, but set things in order to get things done. So, yeah. you know, all right, let's go small government. Let's go Somalia style. Yeah. Nothing will get yeah, done. Yeah, but I, I and, and to be fair, like, let's... Let's not make a straw man argument here. Like I, I think no one's advocating that we go to anarchists. Yes. You know, like no, there no one some. wants to go to anarchy. Well, there's okay, some there, that there, are, there, there's some of the extremes of both left and right that argue both sides. Yeah, oh, yeah. and both yeah. and yeah. both sides are. And those are the ones that you hear. Yeah, exactly. They're the loud ideologues, yeah. right? Kevin and, O'Leary. <laughs> he announced today. He's one. Yeah, oh, he did, he? Announced, yeah. did he? Did he? He's ready. Yeah, he oh. wants to take the spatula to Oh, God. Which the thing that drove, spatula. Drove, me out, drove me nuts about that goddamn video is he didn't take the price tag off 
fucking Because he was going to return it. swearing. But he didn't, like, take the hey, bloody spatula off. Jay, Jay, you, you don't get to be financially successful <laughs> by he's just buying finan- fucking spatula yeah, all over the place. $3 spatulas here and there. Wow, Willie. He's not it. financially successful. Have you ever tried buying his products as an investor? I cannot say I have. Oh, I've well, been. I, I, I'm one. I don't, most people don't know this, but provincial members of parliament don't have pensions. Okay. So I have to buy RSPs. Okay. Right? And I've looked at his stuff. I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> well, I know his. Uh, uh, <laughs> the company he first made his ex billions with when he sold to Corel, it was some like a children's software. It went belly up the moment Corel bought it. It was supposedly. We just, all knew was that Corel was garbage. <laughs> Well, it kind of was. It couldn't. <laughs> Corel draw. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, so I, I want to bit, delve a bit back on uh, kind of who you are a bit or uh, or where you come from and all that stuff. Uh, just for people who don't really know Gilles Bisson as well as we do. Uh, I don't know him. I've met him tonight. When did you, when did you actually, actually get elected and what was it like in that party, like because uh, if, if I recall, you were in power at that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. What was what was the difference between in being in a party that was in power compared to now? And like, how do you? What are your frustrations at that time and frustrations now? That you know, like, what do you see? What what have you encountered? There, there's two two things there, and I, I want you to ask me the question about uh, the first election, which we'll okay. deal with later. But okay. there, listen. This whole argument, and I've now run in, I think it's eight elections, and every, elections I, every election I hear the same thing. Oh, you got to get somebody on the government side or else we're not going to get the cookies here in Tim and James. <laughs> what? BS. Mm-hmm. You know how you get money in a riding? Is municipal councils put forward applications. Mm-hmm. School boards put forward applications. Hospitals and others. And they ask for money to do things like Put a dialysis, extended dialysis services in Timmins, which we got funded. Uh, fix part of Algonquin Street by get, getting connecting link funding, which we did. We actually got more money than any other municipality in Ontario. Rebuilding our schools. We rebuilt all of the schools. Almost, I would say, 80% of the schools in this riding have been rebuilt over the last 20 years, right? By the way, and, and those 20 years in opposition, uh, you take a look at you take a look at Collège Boreal and Université de Hearst, built at a time there was an opposition member here, and the list goes on and on and on. Things don't get funded just because you're a government member. If I was an incompetent government member or a competent government member, uh, there may be some differences, but the reality is, you get funded because there are people out there that make applications for money that makes sense, and they say in the case of Collège Boreal is a good example. But the the highways, Jill. The highways are just shit. Well, they're the shit if you're a liberal, conservative, or a new Democrat riding. They're no different. Do you think it's different for Vic Fidelli than it is for uh, for Glenn Tebow in, in Sudbury? Or, they're all or Rosetti? Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the, yeah, somebody's been private, shit for how long now? We, oh. We've privatized winter road maintenance, and our roads aren't—that's a whole other issue. That's a lack of uh, a lack of support on the part of governments. But 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 back to your question, Jason. The reality is, we get funded because people put forward applications. Mm-hmm. For example, I was talking to the mayor today. Him and I were at a, a common event together, the TCN 25th anniversary, and one of the things we talked about are different applications that the municipality has put forward. And some of those are going to get funded. You know why? Because they're good applications. Mm-hmm. And yes, the mayor has a role to play. His council has a role to play. His administration has a role to play. I have a role to play. Citizens who give letters of support have a role to play. And the government looks back and here how it works. They say, 
I'm the ministry of X, and I have X amount of money to give in whatever type of grants. They divide it by 107 writings, and they say, all right, 107, who's getting what? Essentially, that's what mm-hmm. it comes down to. Mm-hmm. So it, it really isn't about making these back backroom deals and uh, well, being a bag man and, there, the money bag. Man. I was yeah. looking at the tr- that's was corruption. Lo- that's the definition yeah. of well, corruption. You, you'd go to jail. I was looking mm. at the trillium announcements uh, today because I got the list of all of the trillium announcements across the province. They came out today, and I was looking at who got what. You know what? It all came out to about the same. Mm-hmm. Every riding in Ontario essentially got within a few bucks of each other about the same amount of money. So when we're electing our provincial representative, what we're really looking for is not to get money back into the riding. What we're looking to do is to send somebody to represent us at provincial parliament to to vote for programs that we believe – will be beneficial to the province as a whole? I think it it comes down to two or three things. I think one is, which party are you most comfortable with? Right? I'm a conservative and you're a Democrat or a liberal. Which party am I most comfortable with? That That's one part. The other part is, which of the individuals running for office, he or she, is able to do the better job? When I have a problem with, uh, you know, I get a phone call, uh, I've got somebody who's got a, a, a catastrophic, uh, in, uh, not injury, a catastrophic uh, disease uh, that I was dealing with, I guess, yesterday and today, and trying to get some particular stuff from our healthcare system to deal with that. Who can I call who's going to be able to help me deal with that? Now, is this person going to get cured? I, I certainly hope so. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But but my point is, is that making sure that your constituent can get in touch with who are the decision makers about getting this catastrophic drug covered, right? Okay. Uh, and, and so you're looking at who is going to be out there and advocate for me on, on behalf of the issues that are important for me? And the last part is, who on balance is going to most represent my views when it comes to issues? Because once you get elected, it doesn't matter which political party you are. There's some issues that are non, they're non, they're not NDP, liberal, or conservative. They're just issues that come up. Mm-hmm. And who's going to represent your views as best you can? And here's the secret. Not everybody's going to agree with everything I do, even mm-hmm. if I was the perfect MPP. Mm-hmm. On balance, who does the best job and who best represents my views and which political party most represents who I am. That's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to. I would argue, no, go ahead. No, no, it's interesting that you would say that, especially the fact that, you know, even if you did everything you were supposed to do, you were a textbook MP, yeah. MPP, that uh, people would still not agree with you. And that's yeah. just the diversity of opinions. And it's, it's interesting that you say that because I think Jay's told me a couple anecdotes where like, you know, so through door knocking, right? Yeah. You might, you might stand oh, there you know, and, and, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and, oh, and not necessarily try to placate people's, not, not try to uh, placate people's, uh, you know, criticisms of you. You're just straight up with them. Like I, you got to be right? the worst thing you do as an elected official or a, person who's trying to run for politics for the first time is try to tell everybody that what, what they want to hear that's the worst thing you can do you're better off to say you know what i respect your decision i respect your view but i disagree with you you're better mm-hmm. off at least they know where you're coming from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i agree with you you're honest. Uh, one thing i would also add you're saying you know it's who is going to represent your views who thinks the way i do blah 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 i would also say in your area, what type of ideologies or, or, or points of views that these candidates have would help your area? Because I, I always say, mm-hmm. all right, let's go Timmins. We want you, you want small government. You want you know uh, open free market capitalism. All right, go for it. But doesn't you, work too well up here. Exactly. Do you <laughs> think someone would come up here and open a hospital? 
God no. There's no way yeah. they're going to make money. Yeah. Does someone want to come up here and open transit, private transit? God no. There's no way to make money on it. So these are type of places, or like a, an area like here, needs some type of of government assistance and also social programs to to be able to fund and to maintain those type of systems. But see, that's what government's about. Government's about making sure if you live in Timmins or you live in Toronto, you have access to healthcare oh, yeah. to a degree. Yeah. It's never going to be what it is in downtown Toronto. No. But it's going to be something. Like I had a, a friend of mine who got in a bad injury at Detour Lake the other day, uh, an accident having to do with his leg. And uh, some of the best orthopedic surgeons are in the city of Timmins. The guy was dealt with, surgery, the whole bit. At the end of the whole process, the guy's saying, oh, my God, I was surprised the care that I got in Timmins because he actually comes from Kingston. He's a guy who was originally from Timmins mm-hmm. but gone away for about 30 years, ended up working a, de- a detour. Mm-hmm. And, and so government is about making sure that people are able to access services to a degree that is equal to others in different parts of the yeah, province. Yeah, because when you when you talk to the ideologues on either on either side, you know, you talk to somebody um, uh, who, who's right on the left side of the spectrum. They want doctors forced to come up here, yeah. right? Because we we well, exactly. How how do you compel somebody yeah. by law to to have to you know become a doctor and, and come up here? And and people on the right would want you know absolutely privatized. Hospitals, but, right? Only if it's economically feasible should there be a hospital in Timmins, Ontario. But, but now, the only the only thing I would say is today, if you look at the, you know, I, and I'm sure you probably have a lot more exposure to this, but anybody who's reasonable, who considers themselves more conservative or taking a more conservative point of view, or maybe objecting to a lot of the things that uh, or progressive policies that governments are doing, is I think. We're hitting this this button of financial responsibility. There's this kind of trope out there of the pampered government worker uh, who's just – if you're involved in a government bureaucracy, there's uh, overspending galore and there's all sorts of money being that's spread bullshit. around and everything. Right? I, I call it bullshit. That's, that's, not, that's not true. And I'll be I'll be just up straight. That's just not. That's, this is the name of the show, isn't it? Yeah, it's beer and bullshit, right? <laughs> it's, no, it, listen. No, you're going to call that bullshit. That's, I, no, I, I, I'm going to call it bullshit. Is that okay? So uh, let's let's pick a service: health services. Mm. Yeah, that's the biggest one. We spent almost fifty percent of the dollars that we pay in taxes goes to protecting, uh, go to building health services and running health services in this country, in this province. Where is the money being wasted in our health services? Really. That's a good. We we pay doctors, question. we pay nurses, we pay cleaners, we pay dietitians, we pay administrators. We f- we 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 keep hospitals open. We have you know we have all kinds of services, imaging services, and et cetera that we pay for. And guess what? When you compare our public healthcare system to the United States, it's by far less expensive to run than the private system in the United States mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's a not-for-profit system. So. Do people make more money in our public health care system? No. no. I, I, my, my daughter's a nurse practitioner. She would make more money in the United States. She's making $108,000 a year working in mental health down in Whitby, right? Hmm. Uh, she probably can do a heck of a lot better than that in the United States because in the private system, yeah, you can do those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But in the public system, there's accountability. Highways. There's another really good example. We used to maintain our highways through a private, uh, through a public system. Mm. We own 50% of the plows, but we maintained and we owned the 100% of the operations of MTO. Mm. So if we needed an extra plow, we would call you with your private plow, and you'd come out and get, get dispatched when we needed you. We spent less to maintain our highways when it was public 
than we do now, even when you take into consideration uh, the cost of, uh, you know, the cost of uh, how things have gone up over the years. If you tried to balance them out, mm-hmm. and are highways any better? <laughs> They're probably worse. They're worse. They're worse. Absolutely worse. So this whole argument that the private yeah. sector is better and does better than the public sector is nuts. And you know what? I would I would agree with that. This idea that um, I, I think it's the myth that the private sector can do everything for cheaper and better, I think more efficiently, thing, right? There's things that they do really well. Innovation, mm. Mm. absolutely, absolutely. I'm yeah. not going to argue. For example, beer and bullshit. We've got <laughs> Full Beard, right? They're starting yeah. up their their beer company up on. Uh, We've had him on the show. Yes, yeah, we have. Had, yeah, okay. great guy. But that's private, and that yeah. makes sense. Some somebody's dreaming to build to make a better beer and to bring it into market. That's where the private sector comes in. Uh, running a gold mine, or running a copper mine, or running a zinc mine. I have no argument that of course the private sector can do better in that stuff. But when it comes to providing services such as maintaining our highways, educating our kids, you know, taking care of our health services, whatever it might be, the public sector is much much better at doing that stuff mm. and far more efficient and far more transparent. Mm. Can you imagine in a private system if we said? Oh, there's a problem in our highway system or our health system, and I want to get answers. What answers would you get from the private system? They'd say, hey, buddy, it's mine. I'll tell you what I want to tell you. But in a public system, you've got a whole process of stuff where you've got financial accountability officers. You've got uh, provincial auditors. You've got FIPA, the Freedom of Information uh, Privacy stuff. We have all kinds of way of getting at the decision makers and what the decisions were. It's much more transparent. So I have not an argument, but a bit of a devil's Bef- advocate argument. Before, I'm just going to stop you there for one second because it looks like we're starting to get a little bit yes. empty around yes, another here. Beer. So, so I'm, I'm going to ask this question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we are. <laughs> we drink a little faster. You guys uh, drink faster than I do. <laughs> so uh, you're saying, like, I, under- I-, I agree, uh, public, sec- public sector for a lot of stuff does things better. But about when public sector it can be done better itself and it might have might create you know x amount of bureaucracy or doing whatever like let's like and the argument is which i'll be hopefully okay. uh hopefully one of our friends mr uh, uh, uh louis won't uh won't listen to this but what's there's an argument that you know a uh, school boards you know socially funded provincial mm-hmm. matter uh we have x amount of school boards all doing the same thing but I'll have one thing different here and there, and so and there's a a duplication and a replication of of, of responsibilities, and that also duplicates and replicates. Uh, so uh, public so, versus Catholic, public versus Catholic, English and French. All right. Well, so four. Here's here's my here's a simple answer. Yeah. We used to have. Uh, remember the Michael Harris? He was the Premier yeah. of Ontario. Oh, really? So, yeah, he was. A, <laughs> I don't remember that guy. So, so the, one of the things that he did is he amalgamated a whole bunch of school boards mm. together. Mm. Not public versus uh, Catholic. But remember we used to have smaller school boards yeah. back in the day? We spend more now to administer the larger school okay. boards than we did with the smaller ones. The other one was he amalgamated the city of Ottawa, Toronto, Sudbury, and Hamilton. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was going to save us so much money. Oh, my God. You, would, you wouldn't believe how much money. Less politicians, we'd save money. <laughs> we spend more money than we ever have before and we're less accountable. <laughs> So the issue to me is not public versus Catholic. Yeah. The issue is how best to run a, an education system, and bigger is not necessarily cheaper, not necessarily better. 
I think at the end, you know, the decision about making public versus Catholic one system is one at one day that that decision might be made, but it mm-hmm. should not be made based on economic arguments. I, I would I would disagree. That's a, almost, you know what, the sound of that saying, it, smaller is bigger, you know, done in, it's almost a Republican, you know, uh, arguments that, you know, the states should take care of this issue. This should be done at a state level, not done uh, federally. You know what? That is the beautiful, and and that's the beautiful thing. Like, we keep coming to common ground here, you know, and and, uh, we're saying beer and bullshit is supposed to be a debate show, and we're we're all agreeing. Yeah, you know what? That's a very good idea. It's only because I'm here. We just kiss ass all the time. (laughs) No shit. (laughs) No, um, but but that's the beauty of the design of our our government, right? And and actually, that's that's a really good kind of lead into a a bit of a frustration that, that I've experienced before on this show is that um, Corey, just uh sure uh tease them on the question or or, or the statement yeah. say it and yeah. then we'll take a break and i'll uh, i'll introduce our beer oh yes because so, that's what we do every time so tease, him, on tease him on it so he can think about a response i'd like you to think about this a little bit okay because the way i've always kind of seen the beauty of our government is that every level of government has their responsibilities right mm-hmm. a delegation if you will yeah. of responsibilities and the more local the government, the more, I guess, intimate the the responsibilities are. Like the garbage pickup, the like the garbage pickup's yeah. not done by the federal government, right? There's a reason for that. <laughs> that that'd be a problem. <laughs> but you stay, nobody come to my corner today. <laughs> but the the only problem that I've had, and and I think our local politicians have expressed this as well, is that at Upper levels of government, so our provincial and federal government, they can tax our income okay, mm-hmm. to fund mm-hmm. programs. But the level of government that has the most impact on our daily lives for, the, for most people, the, they can only tax our property. And there's certain assumptions made in taxing property that are sort of erroneous, mm-hmm. like things like um, – if you've got a property that is in higher value, you you end up being taxed a higher amount just because of a yeah. percentage rate. And the assumption there is that because you have a property that's worth more, you have the ability to bear that tax burden more, right? Yeah. Now, you could be a person who can afford to bear a larger tax load but live in a house that you yeah. know is is worth you know ninety thousand dollars. Once we describe our beer, I'll give you an answer. Yeah, so just All you right. know to yeah. to maybe mull that over a little bit. So tonight we are drinking Ten Point Indian Pale Ale by Lake of Bays Brewing Company. That Lake of Bays, they do some good oh, stuff, yeah. man. Very good. It's an English IPA. Yeah. Uh, commercial description is originally developed as a celebration ale for owner Darren Smith's wedding. Our what? ambitious was to cre- our ambition was to create a most full flavored and balanced IPA on the market into the lab we went coming out with a modern day British style Indian pale ale that stands proud of its hoppy heritage it is uh, 6% uh, I'll call uh, volume and uh, there was something else I uh, can't remember what the other score was anyways uh, beer 45 average, IBUs there you go 45 IBUs what's I was looking IBU? for it's the bitterness unit oh. yes. yeah. so uh, IPA the lower the have IBU higher. the less bitter yes. yes okay I didn't know that yeah. So uh, Beer Advocate score is giving it an 82%, so a good overall. And uh, let's go. Uh, what First, before you answer your question, what would you rate this beer on a 10 scale? I, I like this kind of beer. This is the kind of stuff mm. I order, so I'd give it an 8. 
mate. Oh, yeah. generous. You know what? I would have to agree, and I'm even going to bump that up. I'm going to be a brown noser. 8.5. Those guys at Lake of Bays are going to love us. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to uh, channel a bit of the uh, Mr. Belanger. Oh, boy. Here we We have go. Our, our local con- beer connoisseur we have on pretty Supposed often. Supposed to be. Supposed to be. Uh, he will uh, – I know he would argue uh, it's not a very strong IPA Mm-mm. and not a very hoppy IPA, but That's what's I, nice about it. That's what I like about it. It makes yeah. it easy to drink. It still has a bit of the uh, the bitterness, a yeah. bit of the, the hoppiness. Uh, I would probably give it easy and never an, an eight as well. I do like this beer. Yeah, yeah good. for the alcohol content yes. in it, yeah. it's it's very drinkable. So Lake of Beers, uh, Lake of Base, please send us some beers. <laughs> sure. We you have yet to have one sw- uh, swag from a company. They, Be the first. They've get they've been like uh, we've had shout outs on oh. social media from beer companies, oh, yeah. but no swag at yeah. all. Well, we're gonna have to take bullshit. care of that. There is a great. Great. There's a great thing that happens at Queen's Park that most people don't know about. We have receptions. Century Club? <laughs> no, we have receptions, right? So okay. all, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights, normally there are receptions where different people come in to, you know, sort of lobby us on what's going on and present their wares. So you get like the restaurant association. But one of them is, is the uh, the people, the independent brewers. Nice. And they come once a year and they all come with their different beers. And we get to try them. You can't try them all because you'd fall over <laughs> by the time you get to the end. But – this is this is not one that I've seen. It's actually quite nice. Yeah. Oh, the perk, the perks. The perks. Oh, the perks. <laughs> so back to your back to your question. Yes, I, I would poor like to municipal, hear your... poor municipal level of government. That's all I can <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah. The, the problem that we have is this here, <clears throat> and it, and it started some years ago, <clears throat> where the federal government, in order to balance their budget, it was under Mr. Chrétien, decided that he was going to transfer his responsibility onto the province by downloading responsibilities that were paid by the federal government to us. And guess what we did? Downloaded them onto the We downloaded onto the municipalities. So, you know, if I'm Steve Black and the rest of the uh, council in the city of Timmins or any other municipality in Ontario, I'm hard done by because I still have to pay for garbage pickup. I still got to pay for all of the services that I had to pay for before. And I'm getting less provincial and federal transfers than I ever did before. And I'm limited to what I can do. Like, yeah, you can play around with the, you know, the, the amount that you pay in property tax. But most municipal councillors, like me, have to get elected every four years. Yep. And you don't want to be the one to say, I'm going to raise your taxes. Yeah. Right? So, Oh, they're, they're going through that. I don't know if you follow no, our no, but No, <laughs> but, but they're, in a, they're in a tough spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because what yeah. do you do? You stop plowing the road. You stop picking up the garbage. You stop filtering the water. Those are the kinds yeah. of decisions that these guys have got to make. Yeah. So, so the problem is, it's not our bad old municipal governments. It's our bad senior levels of government. Mm-hmm. It's the province and the federal government who, quite frankly, haven't supported our municipalities. Now, what really worries me, Kathleen Wynne, my good friend. Um, <laughs> colleague. 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 I want to say nice things on this show. Um, it's going to be out there. So unedited. she's, she's, so they're musing about giving municipalities more taxing powers. And I think that's absolutely wrong because okay. what you're going to end up with, some municipality who has a high level of industrial assessment won't have to raise taxes where another municipality will. And so what we're going to do is going to be playing one municipality against the other. So what do you do mm-hmm. if you have two municipalities of 50,000 within 100 miles of each other? So Tamins and North Bay. Yeah. yeah. yeah and there you and go. one yeah. has more assessment than the other. It means to say the residential will have to pay more or there'll be user fees on tolls on roads or whatever, 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 whatever. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, citizens are going to be treated differently depending on where they live. 
And, and I think that's the wrong way to go. I think we need to go back to a conversation with both the federal and provincial governments and say, hey, guys, then do what you got to do here. We need to make sure that the province, for example, when I got elected, 50% of health care was paid by the federal government. How much now? Less than 15%. Right? So we, we need to start getting into a conversation, and this is where I agree, agree with Kathleen Wynne and Mike Harris and Bob Ray before that. The federal government has got to take back its responsibilities and not balance its books on the back of the provinces. And we as provinces have to do our bit and not balance our books on the back of municipalities. Hmm. So when the municipal government is – or sorry, municipal, the federal government is unable to balance their books – what happens then? Because obviously there was a reason they why can't this run. was offloaded, right? Yeah, well, they they can't they have to cut because unlike the provincial or federal government, they can't run debt. They can debenture for capital, mm-hmm. but they can't run debt for for operational. Mm-hmm. So they're in a situation if they don't, eventually, you know, they got to declare bankruptcy. And you've seen it in the United States. The United States there's a number of large cities. You know that have Detroit. gone, yeah, that gone have, bankrupt. I lived across the river, yeah. Yeah. in Windsor. Yeah, exactly. That have gone bankrupt as a result. So I, I think we, we really need to, as Canadians, start to think about what's important. And I agree with you. The most important and influential level of government is the municipality. Mm-hmm. It's person who picks up my garbage and a person who filters my water. That's the most important mm-hmm. level of government, oh, in my view. And people don't and, and they don't understand that. People yeah. don't don't yeah. see that at all. They think yeah. uh, municipal government is is completely useless. And mm. uh, uh, you know what? That That's would right. change in an instant if somebody turned on their yeah. their tap or tried yeah. to flush their Look toilet. Nothing happened. Right? Look what happened. In y- there you yep. go. Right? There you go. Our job is to regulate and to make sure the rules by which they have to filter the water so that it's safe. Yep. And our other responsibility is to finance. Because we're in a position where, as a province and as a federal government, we can charge uh, taxes for different things, including income tax, and that's where you get the money. And you said actually a good point is that the municipalities now have more responsibilities than they've ever had and not getting funded for it. So they get less and less money from senior levels levels of government and have to do more. And And people always say like, oh, the road's never been worse. Well, probably there's a reason You're why. You're probably right. Yeah. You're probably you know? right. <laughs> and and, and yeah. one of my big bugaboos is is that and, and you might think this is a bit strange coming from a new Democrat, but this is you know, this is what social democrats are all about. We shouldn't be trying to invent new programs and find different ways of spending new money on new programs until we solidify the things that we've got. Let's make sure our roads are in good shape, our hospitals run, our schools run, uh, you know, our judicial system runs the way that it should before we started reinventing the wheel. Now, now there's going to be times where we're going to have to respond to crises, and there's going to be times that we have to respond to things that are going on. I get that. But generally, let's make sure we got what we got and it works well. Yeah, that's a really, really good point because I think that and, – and maybe that's where you know new Democrats can find – Common ground with conservatives because the no the, we don't the, find common ground with at all at all you don't think no, so it's it, no but my my no but see the the thing is it's not that we have a common objective I think we the the conservatives and you Democrats both have an ideology that's the difference the liberals are about getting to power and if it's about skating left or skating right or skating in the middle they'll do what they got to do to get there conservatives have a belief about how to what to do when they get there and so do we. So by and large, Mr. Brown, if he was to form the government, would believe in less government. Mm-hmm. He would believe in less regulation. He would believe in uh, you know, doing things that at the end of the day mm-hmm. I think don't serve us well. 
New Democrats say it's not about taxation. I don't. Uh, Andrew Horvath would not raise your taxes if she was elected Premier of Ontario. Mm-hmm. Can tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what she's going to do. She's going to make sure that every damn dime that we've got is spent where it needs to be spent in order to make sure that we provide the services that Ontarians need uh, on a day-to-day basis. Okay. And is that you know what is it not fair to say that the um the criticisms of something like that would be that it's all fine and dandy to say that when you don't have power right well we've had power to, yeah. we've had power and you know what that's a that's a really good uh, that's a good point because i i think it would be good to talk a little bit about that yeah, because i think it, yeah. it, that's it's different at the provincial level the fact that you you know you guys have have been in power yeah. and have been able yeah. to 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 run government and and to get a little perspective on that cuz that's a little bit before our time. Mine and Jay's. Well, no. we, we, we were alive, but we uh, were barely I was, forming I was, thought I was a member of the Ray government. I've been around that long. <laughs> let, we were let alive, me, not aware. Let, let, me, let me just make the point in current terms. Uh, Alberta, Rachel Notley, New Democrats, got elected in a completely conservative province. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming, right? But Which I did, as, I did text Jill saying – like on the day of the election, there's no way they're going to win it. I'm hoping to get a, a, a yeah. official opposition. Then an hour later, it's like, okay, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing is, when you look at Rachel Notley and the NDP in Alberta, they're getting shellacked okay. by the media on the right. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. I, I I watch. I'm on Twitter all the time, and mm-hmm. I watch that stuff, and I respond to some of it because it's fun. But they're constantly attacking the New Democrats in Alberta. But what, what are the New Democrats doing that's really all that bad? They have managed to take Alberta, which is an energy-rich, an energy-producing province, put it on a, in, in a path that allowed it to get pipelines to the West Coast. Yep. That's huge. Had, yeah. Conservatives never did that. And, Pro and pipeline. Mr. Yeah. Self Porcupine, Jim Prentice, was bringing in, you know, God rest his soul, uh, he was bringing in sales tax. Yeah. He defunded, and, and the governments before him, essentially bankrupt the province almost like they 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 had a huge war chest to play with gone yeah. they yeah. they emptied the and, treasury and, and and the ndp in alberta is actually doing some stuff they strengthen healthcare they strengthen education and i think that rachel notley might might actually just get reelected when you look at the alternative now let me talk about bob ray I was there. I was elected in 1990. Okay. I was a member of that government. I'm very interested to hear about well, this. Well, i got to tell you, we, we came at government from a very different perspective. And a, a good example is what happened in northern Ontario. When we got elected, every, almost, almost every paper mill was shutting down. Okay. A whole bunch of sawmills were closing down. The, you know, the Canadian dollar and what was happening generally in the economy was not very good for northern Ontario. And... Uh, We've had the same phenomenon happen under Dalton McGuinty some years later. Look at the difference. We saved almost every paper mill and almost every sawmill except a few across northern Ontario because we believed that it was important to keep those guys open and to do it in ways that were different. So, for example, what did we do? Capus casing, we made it worker ownership. Half of the bill was owned by the employees. The other half was owned by a company called Tembeck. Uh, you went into Sturgeon Falls. It was the same thing. You went into Sault Ste. Marie, Algoma Steel. You went into St. Mary's Paper. We brought solutions that were outside of the box to trying to make sure that our economy survived so that we can survive to get the next day. And all of those companies that were saved managed to go on for another 15 to 20 years until the Liberals got to power. And then the Liberals took the position laissez-faire, and they said, oh, well, the private sector, the economy is going to do what it's going to do, and it's going to shut down. Let me give you one little example, the one that 
bothers me every time I drive by it. The wafer board plant in Timmins. We had a state of an we had state of the art wafer board plant in that Millet uh, Tembeck plant that was down uh, on the other side of the bridge. When that plant shut down, I went to the government of the day, which was the Liberals, and I said, "Listen, that thing was being sold for like four or five million dollars for scrap. It wasn't very much." I went and I said, "We should buy it. We should mothball it." And when the market comes back, we should resell it to somebody to go back into operation. It's a brand new plant. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. government said, no, 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 we don't want to do that. I can tell you, if we were new Democrats, we would have bought that bloody plant. We would have mothballed it. And we would have sat there and held it until such time that the market turned around. And when the market turned around and you can make money, would you not buy it? Yeah. That's a right? very good point. Yeah. And it's expensive probably, to start one. And, and we, we, yeah. would, pro- and we yeah. would have made a few bucks. We would not have sold it for what it's worth, yeah. but we would have made her $5 million. Good example, again, is Iroquois Falls. When I was elected to government, the uh, company of the day, Abitibi, came to our government and said, we want to sell those, those uh, power dams. So they were looking in order to, to take the water lease agreements and open them up so that they were able to sell the power dam. I remember sitting there and listening to the workers at the union meeting and listening to the municipal municipal council. And I went, God, you sell those power dams, they're done. Price of electricity is going to go up like this, and this is their competitive advantage. Mm. I went to Bud Wildman, who was a new Democrat uh, minister of the day, and we refused Abitibi to sell the power lease agreements, to open them up. As a result, they couldn't sell those power dams. I remember being yelled at by the uh, people that were in charge of Abitibi of the day because I was interfering with their business. But you know what? That place continued to operate for a number of years till when? Till the Liberal government allowed those power dams to be sold. Those power dams have been sold. Guess what happened to the mill? It's gone. gone. Yep. And so, so the difference with New Democrats was when we were in power, we were actually trying to find innovative solutions to very complex issues and very mm-hmm. po- complex situations that were going on in the economy because the economy was changing. And we weren't always right, but at least we left Ontario in the game. Is there things that we could have done differently? Are there things that we shouldn't have done? Absolutely, in retrospect. But I think, by and large, the government was actually pretty responsive to what was going on in northern Ontario. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I think that that you know the flip side of that that whole argument seems to be that you know what, like you say, you're being yelled at by private individuals who want to sell mm. private yeah. private business, right? Yeah. Who who want to want to have a transaction, <laughs> and and I think you know but they're public people assets. Who, the water and, in those rivers yeah. are public assets. I, exactly. And, yeah. and and I think that people who who kind of subscribe to that ideological side of things uh, would say well absolutely the government has no place getting in in between a private citizens like if I wanted to sell something online to to a friend of mine that you know what the government has no business authorizing that or or not authorizing that but there's the the aspect of the public good and the public good and, – and this is where I can sympathize with the other side as well is the definition of the public good can be very subjective. Oh, yeah, and it depends absolutely. on who's in power. Yeah. And this is where it you depends need who to wants have what. trust. Exactly. Yeah. And, you, and you need to have trust in the people who are, who are representing you to represent – to, to say, you know what? We're not going to necessarily 
neglect the public good, but we're not going to expand the definition of the public good to just uh, monitor every transaction that exists. No, and I don't believe government should moderate. You know, the government government's job is not to run businesses. That's not what our job is. Our job our job is to set rules in place by which they conduct themselves that is fair to all. It's fair to the workers, the environment, and the community. How how much money they make is entirely up to them. I hope every business in Ontario makes gazillion dollars. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? When they make a gazillion dollars, we get taxes and I can pay for hospitals. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. But we need to make sure while they're making those gazillion dollars, they're not taking advantage of the environment. They're not taking mm-hmm. advantage of our community or the workers. That's yep. really what the – that's the covenant. Well, you've said it before too is uh, you look at gas prices in northern Ontario. It's mm-hmm. – all right, we say, uh, you know – Private, uh, you know, uh, or free market capitalism shall allow uh, prices to be set as what they want. That's what we uh, you will vote for your dollar, blah blah blah. Uh, but look at Timmins, and we all know uh, we get gouge. Uh, our price of gas is re- like needlessly high and not not comparable to other other comparable municipalities. And even the, tr- the transportation cost does not cannot be factored in to be that much. And you say when this happens, that's when the government has to come in and step in and set regulations to make this. Fair for you know the people. Yeah, because how do you vote? How, how do you vote with your dollar if every provider, every pro- yeah, yeah. provider has the same price and every provider is doing the same thing? Um, I mean, buy an electric car. That's yeah. that's probably your only bet. But I mean, we live in northern we live Ontario. In northern Ontario. Yeah, exactly. Hey, come on, a battery in this uh, battery at thirty below. I don't know. <laughs> I can't start. Yeah. I can't start my gas powered vehicle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I was in Elk Lake on Monday. A dollar ten a liter compared mm-hmm. to Timmins at a dollar twenty two. Mm-hmm. You Why? believe that? On the we on the uh, on the uh, during the holidays, we went down to see our eldest daughter and her grandkids. By the way. Grandkids are grandkids are wonderful. Uh, skip over having children. Grandchildren, that's the way to do it. But anyways, if there was a way. Uh, exactly. But uh, just joking, everybody. Uh, but the, the the point is, uh, left uh, when I when when I got back to Timmins, the price of gas was a dollar four a liter, I believe. Mm. And I remember thinking, oh, I should go and gas up my truck. I just come back from Toronto, right? And I thought, no, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll go back in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. I go back in a couple of days, it's a dollar twenty something, and it's not even January first. The gas companies jumped the gun on Kathleen Wynn's cap and yep. trade yep. and jacked up the price by almost twenty cents over yep. a couple of days. Yep. You're going to tell me that the price of barrel of oil went up that much in that time? Absolutely not. So what you need to do is you got to say to the gas companies, and we've done it before, either you guys get yourself under control or we'll regulate you. I'd rather that they do it voluntarily. Mm-hmm. I'd rather not regulate them. But if they're not prepared to be responsible, then I think we got to step in. Yeah, because, I mean, it borders on being a public utility, right? You can't it's, do it without uh, it's something that I'm going to be super professional. Since we don't do commercials, we uh, we just go for a piss. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the way it goes. If you, if you got to go to the washroom, it's it's no, I'm fine. I'm not drinking time. beer like you guys. <laughs> that's the way it works. No, but I find that very uh, very interesting because uh, it's true. We we kind of live in a in an area of the province that that is a little bit subject to this because yeah. we're we're somewhat isolated and we're somewhat you know. Um, uh, Outside of the bubble yeah. of Ottawa, right? And uh, it's it's interesting that you mentioned the um, cap and trade, mm-hmm. I guess, scheme, right? Uh, scheme is a good way to put it. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're being told that this is going to affect us minimally. It's not. It's it's going to be very very uh, almost unnoticeable, right? In our in our daily lives. Um, but like you said, right? The the gas companies already jumped the gun, and you saw gas prices jump. And when they jump, they jump 
there. Like that was uh, what dr- what drives me crazy about the response to the uh, to the environment and to uh, reducing greenhouse gases is rather than take an approach that entices people to do the right thing, mm-hmm. we're whacking them on the head. Yeah. The conservatives, Matt Patrick Brown says, oh, do a carbon tax like they did in Alberta. Mm-hmm. The liberals in Ontario, like the liberals in uh, in uh, Quebec, say. Uh, we need to do cap and trade. At the end of the day, it's the same thing. It's more it's more being charged for us to dissuade us from utilizing carbon, either electricity, uh, generated electricity from uh, from carbon or gas or whatever. Mm. Why not find a way to bring people to it with an incentive? Why not say, you know what? You own a house here. We can reduce your energy bill if you were to re-insulate, you were to buy a new furnace, you were to buy solar panels for your roof, whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. And we say, okay, we're going to put incentives in place for you to do that. Where you have to take your responsibility as a homeowner Mm -hmm. to do some of that Mm -hmm. because you're going to benefit. But government will help you to, to make it interesting, to make it affordable. And they have to be meaningful incentives oh, yeah, no, no, as well, I agree, right? But yeah. for example, like I, I, out at Kamaskosha, where, where my cottage is, mm-hmm. my hydro bill used to be about, you won't believe it, like, well, people will believe it, because I was electrically heated, it was around $1,200 a month in the winter. <laughs> Forget it, right? Just, I, I went from 300, I went from 300 to 1200 a month. I will never vote liberal in my life <laughs> as a result of that idea. Just want you to Just know, I, I never, I never have, but that's a whole other story. But uh, that's my little joke. But, but the point is, so I've gone and done a whole bunch of things. I, I've gone back to wood. So now I've got a wood electric furnace where running in my cottage right now is wood. I've got tamarack burning mm-hmm. in my wood electric furnace. I've shut down every baseboard heater in that cottage. I've uh, done things in order to insulate. I've done things in order to reduce my energy consumption. Mm-hmm. My bill's about $400 a month. It's still not cheap, but mm. it's, it's not but as, manageable. At it's least. manageable at four dollars to $500 a month in the winter. My point is, why not give people an opportunity to reduce their consumption by doing things that help them put money in their pocket by investing in things that save you money? And the government helped me to make that. I did that on my own. And that would help yeah, industry. Do you, do you think? But well, that would think, help industry. Like, do you think that a tax is 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 kind of uh, some version of that, like a disincentive? It, well, it, it it the sad part is it works because in my case, I went from a twelve hundred dollar bill to a four hundred dollar bill. Why? Because I didn't want to pay it. Yeah. So, so this is why governments do it. That's why yeah. there's a carbon tax in Alberta. That's why Patrick Brown argues for a carbon tax in Ontario. And that's why Kathleen Wynne says, let's do cap and trade. I, I'm just a bit of a different ilk. I just say, don't whack me on the head. Find me a way to get there. We yeah. can get there together. There's ways for industry and there's ways for residents to be able to save. City of Timmins, good example. They went to LED lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right? That's one of the things I did. One of the things, I got rid of all my incandescent bulbs in my cottage. I put, well, it's a house now. Yeah. I put all LED lights. You wouldn't believe how much energy that saved yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Just off the oh, top. It's, it's almost negligible what, yeah. oh, what yeah. those LEDs use. Yeah, yeah. these, these uh, uh, Chinese buffet these lights. These are not LEDs. Those are terrible. <laughs> oh, we I call it a Chinese buffet. Yeah. That's what we call this area. <laughs> we got to keep everybody nice it's and brutal. warm. Just making sure. So you know? that, that's my only thing. I think, I think as a social democrat, as a new democrat, I believe that what we need to do is we need to reduce our reliance on carbon. I think they're right. I understand why Kathleen did what she did mm-hmm. uh, as far as doing cap and trade. There's one part of me that agrees with her in the sense that you got to do something to get us there. Mm-hmm. But I think how we got there is a bit of a problem. And I think if you can find ways to give people incentive, I think it's a better way to do it. To, do, to make the right choice on their own. 
Yeah, right. and, and to make it interesting. And, and you know, maybe it's a combination of those things. I don't know. But yeah, because I, I think you're you're absolutely right in saying that because there are some people that are going to cope the way that you coped, right? Like they're they're going to uh, see this additional cost saying, I, you know, I want Can't none of this. Yeah. So I'm going to invest this money into, you know, my yeah. property to, to not have to do that. But there are people who don't have that capital. Don't have the money to spend right? exactly. They, they don't have the money to spend that on on whatever project they they need yep. to improve their property. But they don't have the money to pay extra taxes on Ex- anything either. Exactly, exactly. So it, it, what they end up doing is just basically turning down the heat, yeah, living buying, in the cold, buying a new furnace and buying LED lights and all that stuff. Probably cost me about five six thousand bucks. Yeah, who's yeah, got that money? Yeah, exactly. Right? And and members although, of Parliament. <laughs> well, yeah. we know how much we get paid. Oh. There's a public disclosure for that kind of stuff, right? 136000 a year. It's all publicly disclosed. There it's like 100 more than I get. Yeah, good for you. Hey, you're that rich? Hey, how come you didn't apply for a job at my office then? Because it was uh, <laughs> someone didn't want me. Oh, jeez. Okay. Oh, <laughs> So this is what we do on Beer and Bullshit. We we have uh, nepotism galore. They're just people, uh, you know, enjoying it. Well, if anyone wants enjoying to give me a job, I will company. take it. I honestly, I'll have anybody here if they want to give me a job. <laughs> no, that's um, uh, it's really enlightening to hear a little bit about a little bit more about that because uh, I think that's a really hot button issue in the province. Uh, this this yeah, idea the the carbon cap and trade and uh, how we're going to deal with climate change. Uh, I was having a conversation with the, about this with. One one of my uh, one of my friends earlier, and you uh, have friends. You're lucky. I do I, have friends. I got no friends. Not just the people who come and sit here I in the no basement, friends. but um, people you know. I, come on, let's be honest. We're not friends. <laughs> no, no, we're not friends at all. Business business associates. associates we yeah. make we make, make no money doing this. We're not very good business associates. We're horrible. Yeah. <laughs> we spend more money than yeah, we make. Okay. Um, but uh, just talking about the, the some of the policies that have been put forward. Obviously, this is to deal with the climate change problem, mm-hmm. right? It's a problem. Yeah. Obviously, it's a problem. It's yeah. uh, the science is conclusive. It's conclusive yeah. that uh, you know humans are are contributing, if mm-hmm. not causing the majority of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, can't well, deny that. You know. Who knows? Well, Donald, we can't Trump. Really. Donald Trump says it's a hoax. So uh, I say <laughs> made Donald. Up, made up I by say the Donald's a hoax, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> oh Lord! But uh, this, you know, it, this is this what we need, or do we do we actually need the bigger players to start contributing to these kinds of efforts? Because oh, absolutely, I, I, I think what some people are 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 kind of. You call them pessimistic or whatever you will, but their their comments on this is that you know this is not enough. This these efforts that we're doing, like all, all we're doing is we're, we're not putting a dent into the climate change problem. We're just making life more difficult. On- oh, I, I I disagree. I think worldwide, if you look at what's happened in Europe, what's happened in North America, even what's happened in Central and South America, the amount of carbon that we're putting out into the atmosphere is far less than it would have been. Mm. Yeah. Because, you know, if you look at the Great Lakes, like remember the acid rain issue? Mm-hmm. Acid rain uh, it was 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 a, an issue that we were seeing here in northern Ontario. We had lakes that were dying as a result of acid rain. Uh, we put in place between Canada and the United States a whole bunch of strict rules about what you can put up into the atmosphere. We saw it in Sudbury, the effect mm-hmm. that it had on their, their, their emissions. And acid rain is much, much declined over the years as a result of those actions. So I think I think we're getting better. Are we as far as we need to be? No. Should we aim further? Yes. 
but you know, one step at a time. And I have an argument for that. Like, you know, China. Where people say, "Oh, well, we're not going to do anything with China." Keeps pumping out whatever. Yeah. What's, the, what's the point? But even China announced they're doing hundreds of millions of dollars in uh, renewable energies to 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 get because you know the economy hits them just as much as it hits us. They they understand dollars and cents. Better than some capitalists. Uh, so they, they isn't that funny? I know they figured it out. Only uh, Nixon, <laughs> only Nixon would have gone to China. <laughs> so you know they have that issue. But then I always my argument is like, okay, maybe not on climate, but maybe off to other things. Like just because China or India does it, should we not do it? So like, let's say it would be any other social issue, as in uh, slavery, uh, you know, LGBT rights, whatever. Oh wait, well these countries are doing it. And that's X percentage of the of the population of the world. Why should we do it? Well, you know what? We still have to do the right thing and yeah. lead by example, regardless if it's going to make it a little bit harder economically or make it a little bit harder, whatever else, progressively. We should lead by example because we are a developed nation that actually, I would argue, would be, is a somewhat of a moral compass for the world. You know, mm-hmm. you can argue that yeah. as much as you want, but we should do the right thing and not just uh, yeah, react the, because someone else doesn't. And the do Chinas it. and the Indias and the Indias of the world are changing the way yes, they, they are do getting better because of us. Yeah. Well, I, and I think you know what you're absolutely right, and and I think what. Thank you. Stop there. Yeah, there, there we go, <laughs> Jason. You're absolutely right. All right, thanks, folks. We'll see you next week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's this idea that apparently um, our our province, our country can't deal with economic upheaval. Yeah. Right. This uh, the idea that if we are to impose drastic measures to really, really bring down our consumption of energy, mm-hmm. that people won't be able to deal with it. And I, I think I think we can. We can we can we we can deal with the the financial impacts that that happen. It's just that, um, and maybe this is more of a commentary on like a social commentary rather than political commentary. But it's the idea that we need to mature a little bit in our expectations in what we need to do if we all want to keep living on this planet. Like we we all gotta do our part here. The the, the thing the thing that I've come to conclusion over the years is it's good that we have radicals on the left and right that push us. Because hmm. if you don't have They're those radicals, though. no, no. Sometimes <laughs> both left and right. You know the Bernie Sanders and the Donald Trumps and the, yeah. you know the left and right in in Canada the same thing because they make us sort of sit back and take sort of stock of what's going mm-hmm. on and make some decisions about where we should go. And I think it's, it's to me, that's the strength of a democracy. And mm-hmm. I, the, the other thing, I, I, I just wanted, wanted to get this on, and this is probably my best segue. The biggest problem that we have, I believe, in uh, both Ontario and Canada is the way that Parliament doesn't function anymore. When I first got elected in 1990, Parliaments were much more accountable to the people than they are now. Is that because you were in power, or no? Okay. No, I'm just a little joke. Listen, every every government since I've been there since yeah. 1990, the premier has taken power away from the legislature. Has become much more an executive system. So when I first got elected, you didn't delegate authority to regulation. In other words, when you wrote a bill, a law, and anything, you didn't say we're going to leave it the cabinet to decide how this is going to work. You decided that in the legislature. Uh, you didn't delegate your authority to the executive. And what's happened over the years, we've become much more an American system, both in Canada and Ontario and other provinces. Premiers and prime ministers have gathered the power that the legislatures used to have, and they've brought them into the 
executive into the premier's office or the prime minister's office. And the problem with that is we become less accountable. Why did Kathleen win? Why was she able to privatize the electricity system? Because there wasn't a strong parliamentary process by which to vet it. Mm-hmm. Why is it that Kathleen Wynne did cap and trade or Mike uh, or Mike Brown? Uh, what's his name? Brown, the, uh, Jim. the no, the, the 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 guy who was the head of the liberal, the Tory party. Patrick Brown. Patrick, Patrick. Brown. Excuse right. me. Jim Brown. Boy, Jim I Brown. lost it. Jim, Jim Brown. Jim Brown out of Erica Falls. I got a story <laughs> yeah, about that. that's what that is. Yeah, I yeah. got a story about that. Oh, yeah. But anyways, uh, but, the, but you know, uh, he gets the government and he says he wants to do, uh, he wants to do a carbon tax. I think part of what we need to do is we need to give the legislature back its authority so that we do what we're set out to do as legislators, and that is to consult with our constituents and hear what the public has to say about these things. If you want to privatize hydro... Bring it to the people. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. the ones who are paying for it. You yeah. want to bring a cap and trade? Bring it to the people. Allow the parliamentary process through its committee structure to hear what people have to say and then to amend what we did based on what we heard. But how is the executive able to get away with something like that? Because over the years, what's happened is that they've delegated the, – the, when they've written legislation, they've written legislation in such a way that, A, there's a thing called time allocation – where a government can pass anything it wants in a majority, and B, that they delegate the responsibility to cabinet. So now when you write a bill uh, and the opposition is opposed, you just do a time allocation motion, and literally in three days, the bill is passed. When I got elected, a bill got introduced in the fall, <clears throat> got second reading in the fall, went out to committee in the, in the winter, maybe in the spring or in the fall a year after, came back for third reading. It took a year to go through, and you know what? It became a better bill. I'll give you a really good example. Uh, when I Back in the day, and it, we were the government, but it wasn't because we were the government. It was because of the way things went. We decided that we needed to, because of what was happening in the market for forestry, we needed to go to sustainable development. We need to find a way to manage our forest so that we didn't get boycotted by the environmentalists who said, we're not going to buy Ontario products because you guys aren't sustainable. Mm-hmm. Paper, wood, whatever it was. So we did what was called the Sustainable Forestry Development Act. That bill took over a year and a half to go through the legislative process. We sent it through committee. We traveled it through Ontario. People made all kinds of comments. The bill was amended. I was on the committee, I remember. <laughs> Conservative members and liberal members brought, based on those comments we got from committee, recommendation for amendments that actually made sense. Get, guess what's the law in Ontario today, 25 years later? Still that. Because it's strong. Because yeah. it met the measure of time, we did the right thing in the beginning. Now we pass a law, and the bloody law has changed in five years because it doesn't work. Yeah, because it, yeah. this it doesn't work thing, right? because yeah. and it's what, what what people people start complaining about it, right? Yeah. People okay. start uh, closer start, to the yeah, mic, sorry. just a little bit closer. Uh, you'd think this is my first podcast. <laughs> <You're> I know, <laughs> <laughs> but but the good yeah. example is hydro. Is that imagine if Kathleen Wynne and Dalton McGinty would have had to go to the public? Yeah. Through the legislature, and yeah. it's not the public through the legislature, obviously. They would have had to go to get permission to do that by really having a, a public debate about it. They would have never yeah. done it. Yeah. The public would have said, are you nuts? So just to be clear, like you're, you're not necessarily advocating like governance by referendum. No, no, absolutely no, no. not. I it's no, it's this not. this idea that that this debate should be had in the public. With the public. And, yeah. You have more to say about this than any legislator in Ontario. And we mm-hmm. need to respect that as legislators because the public isn't stupid. The public gets it. 
At the end of the day, they understand that they give us four years to try to best we can to hobble our way towards managing government in a way that makes sense. But they want to know that at the end, what we're doing makes sense and that you have a say. And I think the big failure in our system federally and provincially is that we've stopped relying on legislatures to do what we used to do, and that is to give the public their say and give the public the opportunity to participate so that in the end we get bills that reflect what the public wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's really interesting to say because I, I think that uh, a lot of people kind of see, and, and, and I mean, is that a reflection of the the population that's voting for this like no, I th- I think when people vote no. for majority governments right like- I, I think no i think that we've always had majority governments that's not so much the issue i think the issue is the media has very much changed over the years it mm-hmm. used to be when i grew up there were one or two media that you listened to right cbc all right and your local paper the daily mm-hmm. press and that's where you got your information from. So it was a lot easier for governments and opposition parties to communicate to the public an mm-hmm. idea. Now, where do you get your information from this podcast? Yeah. From a whole bunch of different sources. Do not take it from the podcast. No, 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 no. no. This is actually <laughs> yeah. a healthy thing, yeah. I think. But my, my point is, is that the public now doesn't pay attention in the way that it used to. Yeah. Because it was forced to pay attention when you used to have the old kind of way of communicating. Now it's like you watch a little bit of global, you watch a little bit of social media, you read the paper a bit, you might see it in a magazine, you hear it a little bit. So people are really not paying as much attention as they used to. So guess what? Governments do what the hell they want. Yeah, yeah, because everybody's attention is spread so yeah. thin, right, yeah. uh, amongst yeah. all the information sources. Yeah. Well, with that said, you may have subverted yes. our effort to be classified as fake news. Yeah. Nah, we're for uh, fake. I was kind of, no, I was you're kind of. not fake anymore. <laughs> Damn it! So uh, we're gonna. So first of all, I I would love to have you for a second podcast. Sure. So whenever yeah. uh, whenever you're free, I would love to have you for a second one because I think uh, there's a lot more we can discuss mm-hmm. uh, just on provincial matters. I think it'd be great. Uh, so we're now we're gonna we're gonna transition into the bullshit aspect of our uh, podcast. Oh, I, love, I love bullshit. <laughs> Before you start that, I think everybody here needs a refill. You know what? You guys have had two beers and I've only had one. Can I get you another one? Yeah, I'll have a little yeah. bit. Right. Yeah. I'll have a bit. I'll split with yours yeah. with you if you I'll want. Split. Yeah, I'll okay. split. I don't want to hold one. So uh we, we move to the to bullshit side. So uh we usually kinda go into uh International news, uh, federal news, all this stuff, and we just kind of argue, or not even just news, just just happenings, and we'll just yell at each other for stuff. So one actually is somewhat related to uh, provincial matters. Is announced today that the, uh, and I want to hear what your say is on this. I have a couple ideas about this, or, or or thoughts, or kind of more questions on how you would feel how the Saskatchewan government and the federal government have reached a uh, healthcare deal. So. My so I know that right now the provincial government is uh, is withholding uh, and not agreeing to uh, uh, current federal uh, health care, which I think they want to go up th- what three point five percent, whatever it is. Uh, did I get that right? Yeah, Three? something. Yeah. It's more net, I thought. But anyway. okay, it was whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, the only one increase that much where the the provinces want like six point five or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so or six point three. It's always something random. Yeah, that's the article up there. Uh, so I want to know what's your aspect on this, and actually, what have you heard that? Why does the, the provincial government want X amount, and what are they looking to increase? And uh, you know, do you think this hurts uh, kind of the province's uh, uh, plan when you know now was New Brunswick and now Saskatchewan have both agreed, so you have less and less you know say. Like, what what's your thoughts on this uh, development? Well, like I said, when I got elected, it was fifty fifty dollars. Yeah. Right. We're 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 a hell of a lot less than that now. Mm-hmm. So so you know. 
I think the provinces are right to go to the federal government and said, stop being a freeloader. Mm-hmm. You know, you, the federal government stands there and talks about health care. Well, God, it's a provincial service. We run every bloody hospital in this in this country. We run, we pay all the doctors, we pay all the nurses. It's all provincial. Federal government stands there and says, "Look at a great job we're doing in health care." They're delay. They're, they're essentially they're they're absentee landlords. Mm-hmm. They they don't pay what they used to. So. Uh, that's where I come from, number one. Number two is I think we should be trying to engage the federal government in order to pay their fair share. I'm not going to get them at 50%. If I was premier tomorrow, I wouldn't get them at 50%. I know that. But I want to get them up. Saskatchewan settling at the la- at the rate they did, I think lowballs it. Really? I think it lowballs it. I think we're in a position where Ontario is going to have a hell of an argument trying to make that we need to increase uh, to get the federal government to move beyond where they're at. Mm, because of the deal that they made, yeah, yeah. I, I would argue, and I, and I would I would see the same. If I'm trying to make a deal, it's good, you know, like a CBA for like the NHL. If let's say yeah. the NHLPA had, you know, a third of their uh, membership can say, no, you know what, we're okay with this deal. The other, you know, two thirds are going to have a hard time to argue that. So I do I do see that. That's why when I see this come up, I'm like, wow, this is going to make very difficult for the next premier meetings to go down. This is going to make it difficult for them to come mm-hmm. up with any strategy when you have half. Do you or, think they've subver- subverted it? Yeah, I think like so. They, ba- yeah. they basically like lessen their strength in numbers. I yeah, and so. because Saskatchewan is a different financial position than Ontario is, right? Yeah. They could probably afford to take that deal. Ontario's in a much worse position, which is unfortunate, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other story. We appreciate you being candid about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it seems like we've kind of... Uh, We've all agreed and seen that. So uh, we can move to a, a variety oh, boy. of international news stories. I, I want to. I really want to hear. I love you the crown. Sound off on Mr. You like Trump. The one? Sorry, I love the crown. That whole series on Netflix. Oh, the crown. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. is so I well done. It's good. Yeah. I, I oh, got to yeah. tell. There's oh, the one crown, episode. Yeah. There's great. one. There was one storyline. Can I please go to the crown for a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know you like the crown. I look. I know you like the whole idea. I, I read. The, I read history. That's yeah. all I do. But anyways, I was reading uh, Cromwell. I was reading a book on Cromwell just recently. But anyways, the fascinating part about this is the story of Elizabeth II as she ascends to the throne in the 1950s. Her daughter Margaret, or not her daughter, her sister, sister. Margaret, wants to get married. Uh, of course, she wants to get married to a guy who's not a royal, so it's not working out so fine. And he's he's divorced with a, a living yeah, wife. Divorced with a living wife, and 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 the parliament. Oh God! Oh. Parliament says <laughs> Winston <perils>. Churchill. <laughs> Winston Churchill says no. Uh, you can't do this because of such and such a law. This is not possible. But if she waits until she's 21 or 22, whatever it is, she'll be able to marry whoever the hell she wants. So the, the queen says to her sister, hold off and you'll be able to marry this guy if you just, you know, just cool your jets just for a couple years. So she cools her jets. He cools his jets. And it turns Send him out, off to Egypt for X amount of years? No, it was actually uh, Belgium. He, Belgium was, okay. he was in the yeah. – uh, he was uh, with uh, – with, uh, anyway, some military thing. <laughs> but anyway, so the, so the point is all of a sudden the two years comes by and it turns out that the prime minister, Winston Churchill, didn't tell her there's another law <laughs> that prevents her from marrying. At which point it means the prime minister in the parliament lied to the sovereign. Yep. Very interesting story thread how that is dealt with in that series. Worth watching. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, going to keep good. that in mind. Yeah, like, it's very, very Paul and I have watched, went over them in a matter of two days. Nice. Awesome. And also, like, the... I'm going to check that out. For one season, they spent, like, $100 million in production. Did yeah. they spend really? that much? It's insane. Oh, it's so like it's a record. Well just to, so just well to pay the rental to get in the palace. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, hey, before you move on, uh, I'm also going to be extremely professional, professional and go... Uh, I must have a bladder of steel. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> 
See, uh, that is your memory. Vote for Jill. That vote is for Jill. Bladder of steel. <laughs> hey, remember uh, that, folks. That should be a campaign post. Yeah, exactly. Saying, yeah, that's yeah. perfect. <laughs> so uh, there's a few things we can talk about now. Uh, we can go internationally. We can go whatever. Uh, it's up to you. Uh, interesting. Well, there's one that, you know what? This is something I think interesting uh, to me kind of... Uh, I think can pose interesting interesting questions. Oh, dear Lord, the beers are hitting me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the uh, Pulse nightclub shooting, uh, the Orlando shooting, uh, the wife, it is said that the wife, the gunsman wife, the gunsman's wife, gunsman's uh, wife right? knew of the attack. So I think this post some interesting stuff. Is this person, and so the argument is now that prosecutors try to say she's a collaborator of, of the shooting, of, of the incident. Uh, she should be, you know, uh, just as liable as the shooter himself, I do think it poses an interesting question because you know, like, hey, if I know someone's going to be killed, should I not try and stop this? Do what I can in my own power. Uh, I know her her family tried to say she's she was in abuse and abusive relationship, so you can't really take. You know, she doesn't really have the power that a, a regular right minded person has. But like, I just think that you know what should be done at this point. I think you know. Wh- well, I think it's for the courts to determine. First of all. Politicians and citizens shouldn't be the ones making decisions yeah, right. about what 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 properly is better dealt with in the courts because we don't know to what degree, at what point did she take did she actually take this threat to be viable? Because somebody comes to me and says, you know, I'm going to kill my neighbor. Well, you know, is it just bullshit? Well, he didn't mow his lawn, so let's, no, 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 let's, he deserves yeah, it. Well, he yeah, deserves yeah, it. Yeah, like, that's a whole other story. But but my <laughs> hey point guys, is, what are we talking about? Pulse Pulse. Club. Should uh, <laughs> yeah. should they, the wife of the government be uh, liable for anything? Yeah, so of course I, she knew. She knew, but but the point I'm making is let the courts determine that. Uh, For us as politicians and as citizens to determine what the outcome of a conviction should be is wrong. That's why we have courts there. Courts are there to listen to the facts. To what degree did she take the threat to be serious? Like your neighbor Mm -hmm. says, I'm going to shoot that bugger because he parked in my lawn. You know, to what degree is that true? Uh, The second thing is, is that, uh, as you were saying, Jason, she was under threat from being an abused wife. Maybe that was the case. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's why I think we should allow courts to make their decisions. We have a a really good judicial system, as much as people like to bemoan it, Mm -hmm. where essentially you're a judge by your peers. And the evidence is brought before you. And I think at the end of the day, you got to trust that the people are going to do the right thing. And I, I do not disagree with that. And I guess yeah. maybe not be so uh, specific on this point. My my question is: Should it a a spouse who might have some some inside information on uh, what their spouse might do? Uh, are they you know should they be just a legal liable to anything? And are they really a a conspirator or a uh, a facilitator of, of these type of attacks. If, 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 if they know, just if she happening. believed it to be true, she should have came forward. She came forward, and I think the that would they, be my argument. They okay. need yeah. to demonstrate that she knew, or yeah. any and, spouse uh, would yeah. know, yeah. and and wasn't uh, you know indicate or wasn't kind of like uh, put under duress to mm-hmm. not not to reveal not that reveal that. Right? I, I think there's the burden of proof is on the yeah, crown, and, and right? the state, the or state whatever, wherever state. you want and to go. There's far too many politicians who stick their nose in that stuff for yeah. political reasons, right? Of you course, just, you, you see it both on both sides of the board, American and Canadian, where all of a sudden you become the expert in law and you start saying lock them up or put them in the electric chair. Well, you know what? That's why we have a judicial system. Yeah, let them figure yeah. it out. Let, let it figure. Let them figure yeah. it out. But you know what? Uh, just you know, not to be lighthearted about this because that was a horrible tragedy. But like, I can't keep anything from my wife. Of course, this guy's <laughs> wife knew it. 
It's true. There's no there's no way you can keep anything from oh, your you're wife. Right. More than likely, but who knows, right? Like, geez. There's some things my wife doesn't know. Oh boy. Well No, 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 nothing like that. And you know, she no, no. she's gonna start looking into you and she'll probably figure it out by now. So <laughs> there just, you go. just so you know. <laughs> Jason, I almost choked you. <laughs> oh, sorry. So, a uh, couple interesting things. Uh, well, obviously, I, I, Trump see, and Trudeau. I, the only thing about Trump, I think, is oh, it's 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 just easy discussion, people. easy, uh, you know, exp- you know, low hanging fruit. Low hanging, exactly. Uh, and it's like, do we discuss this? Do we not? You know, we now have the uh, the P videos. We now have. Uh, you know everything to do with uh, you know Trump not believing in, in any intelligent report for some reason. I guess that's that's telling. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure how much I want to talk about uh, Mr. Trump, but I I did like this little uh, article about uh, Trudeau and Trump and where uh, they find common ground, and they kind of go through a couple different aspects like how they rose to power and how they both use you know one both use social media to really. Uh, rise to power. One did. Oh, I uh, disagree. You know, Twitter and whatever. You don't think so? I call bullshit on that one. Why? Well, first of all, Trump is I no like Trudeau. See, someone's disagreeing with me. Corey keeps just agreeing. Yeah, no, no, Trump You're is right, no Trudeau, too. and Trudeau's no Trump. That's true. You know, it, 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 Trump. Listen, you may not like him. You may not like what he stands for. I certainly don't like what he stands for, and I don't like him personally. He's like a Kevin O'Leary kind of guy. So, you know, he's it's weird. But the guy's not stupid. So he understood where he was at, and he played populist politics. And it wasn't even left and right politics. If you nope. listen to Donald yep. Trump, yep. some of his populism is from the left. Yep. Oh, yeah. He's a guy Absolutely. saying, rip up, rip up trade deals. It was New Democrats yeah. 30 years ago who said, <laughs> don't allow the NAFTA agreement to go forward. All of a sudden, Donald Trump is saying, this, is, you know, this should not happen. Yep. We yep. should get rid of it. So he's a populist who understood where most of the working class was at. He targeted the working class and said, I'm going to go after them. And the flip side is the Democrats were nuts to take uh, Hillary yeah, Clinton. Yeah, yeah. That's a it very, just, very good point. If they would have had Bernie Sanders or anybody else yeah. uh, or Joe Biden, I think there would have been a different oh, outcome. Joe, Joe Biden, mm-hmm. Bernie, San- Bernie Sanders uh, even would have Bernie, been a very interesting Even election. Bernie Sanders, I think, would have taken him on. Do you, know, I what, think, do you know what would have been? And I heard a, a CNN commentator say this. Uh, and it was the only time I'd ever heard this said in the entire election season was that a real interesting election would have been between Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz. Hmm. Oh, that, that would have been that that, that really yeah, would have been two, yeah, those that two, really yeah. would have been a national discussion about which Ted direction Cruz, do yeah, we want to right head into. Listen, Ted you know? Cruz, I think, is more ideological than Donald Absolutely. Trump. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. and yeah. and so is Bernie Sanders. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, so, they're they're. Yeah. People who live by certain principles so, agree or disagree with them, but they're, that's that would have been a uh, constructive conversation. Yeah, it debate, probably would have been. You know. Yeah. So, so the bullshit part. I, I come back to Trudeau. <laughs> the bullshit part is Trudeau, which I'll come back to in a minute. But on the Donald Trump thing, don't underestimate this guy. He's no dummy. Mm-mm. I think the danger is is that he is poking people that he doesn't need to poke. Who yeah. holds most of the United States debt? China. And he's poking China? China and the people of the United States. And as he says, China? He's poking China. Like he goes and says, I'm going to play around with Taiwan and do what I want. And China's sitting there and says, okay, we underwrite most of your debt. And do you really want to be in a position to really get those guys to do something that would be pretty unbearable to the states? I think that's the volatility of Trump. Mm -hmm. I think Trump 
kind of gets it from a communications point of view. He doesn't doesn't get it from a practical. Justin Trudeau, he's no Trump. Yeah. No, no. He's you just, know what? I, I'm I, sorry. I think, he's a lightweight. I think Justin Trudeau is more of an Obama than no, than no. a Trump. Oh God! I, no. I don't. I don't think. <laughs> I, I, I no, 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 make no. that connection. <laughs> really? Obama's really? actually pretty uh-huh. smart. <laughs> Which doesn't say much for my prime minister. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you said it's beer and bullshit. Beer and bullshit. I love it. That's fair. That's I love fair. It. I, I okay. Let me clarify. I feel that Justin Trudeau was elected on the same sentiment, public sentiment, as Obama was. The hope and change sentiment. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that. It's you know we had you know Harper. Uh, we was like, oh, we can't go with this, this bipartisan state of course. Uh, you know, and kind of a divisive uh, politics. I would agree with that. Uh, whereas you know, uh, Obama is like, let's hope and change. We can make this better. I'm going to say something I'll regret as a new uh, Democrat. Nice. Okay, I love this. Come I want I want to say what I'll regret as a new Democrat. That's my wife calling. <laughs> <laughs> this is not live. This is this is this is the, this is why I said you know there a uh, uh, couple of things. Uh, first of all, is that we went into that election with Thomas Moncler leading. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to Oh, win. yeah. What the dynamics of that election were, people wanted to get rid of Stephen Harper. Yep. And it, and and originally they were prepared to go with Thomas Moncler, but it doesn't take much to bring people back to the liberals. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate, and I, I bang my head against the wall mm-hmm. on this one plenty of times as a New Democrat, but if you can give people a reason to vote liberal, they'll vote. Mm-hmm. And Justin Trudeau in the last election did not fall on his nose. He ran not a bad campaign. He wasn't brilliant, mm-hmm. but he didn't do as bad as people thought he would. And that was enough for people to go to him. Is he brilliant? Does he have any great ideas for Canada? I really doubt it. Seems like kind of a goof. Mm. I just, uh, I don't have a lot. Ski like, bum in a suit. Like, like the guy The guy goes to the Aga Khan's uh, island. He doesn't think he's going to get in trouble? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm yeah. a I'm a provincial MPP way down on the totem pole to the prime minister. If the Aga Khan called me, I'd say, call somebody else. I ain't going. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you got to know. And you you're know. the prime minister? Yeah. You know the definition of conflict of interest, well, exactly. right? Yeah. 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 And and you know what? That's a really good segue into a topic I, I wanted to kind of discuss a little <laughs> bit tonight. But- what do you think of Charlie's run? Is he going to run? Charlie is one of those. I think he will. I think at the end, Charlie is in and yeah. he's running. My yeah. guess was he's running. Yeah, That's he's running. That's my guess was from his. And uh, of the candidates running, the one thing I'm never worried about Charlie is where he's coming from. He's one of no. the more he's one of the more solid people I know. You you never have to worry. What's he going to do? Is he going to is he going to do something crazy when it comes to some issue? Like he's very level headed and very methodical at what he does. And I think you would make a great prime minister, and I think you'd make a great leader of the party. Yeah, and and you know what? I I tend to agree. Meeting like meeting him and getting to sit with him, um, you know, even disagreeing with with some of of his positions, I don't necessarily think that. Like, I, I think it's refreshing to have somebody who, it, I mean, at the very least, is. comes out he comes off he honest. Yeah, yeah he is. You know, what he is, yeah. and um, it, but what I wondered is. This whole delaying in deciding, I I've kind of and maybe I've overthought this. Maybe mm-hmm. I've I, I've because I keep seeing the posts, you know, about toying with a, a, a run. Is it all about building anticipation? Is it all about you know? Is he really not sure if he's going to run or not? Um, I I think it, the only thing, the only conclusion I could come to on my own was this. Uh, like a federal, the federal NDP has never been in power, so 
does the federal NDP know what to do with power? Oh, did did Justin Trudeau know what to do with power? <laughs> did Kathleen Wynne know what to do with power? Yeah, but is that did, a fair criticism? Did Mike, though? did Mike Harris know? God, I watched those people operate. They certainly don't know what to do with power. So nobody knows. Uh, or just no, just saying, we're not going to be any worse than those guys. We're going to be better. But, okay, but, okay. But, but that's the first thing. The, the, the second, let me let me just say this. I ran for leader provincially. All right, mm-hmm. and I think a person who makes that decision is really taking a step off a cliff. Hmm. Because you got to realize, especially at the federal level, I would never do it at the federal level. Provincially, yeah, it was interesting, and who knows, right, in the future. But the, but the point is, is that... Is, is that is that a hint that no, you're no, going to no, run? No, okay, no, 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 that's not, but that's not my point. <laughs> You're in bullshit scoop. I, I, I'm probably not explaining this right, but what I'm saying is provincially, you know that you get up this morning, you go to Thunder Bay, you can be back home tomorrow night, yep. mm. right? You're the leader federally. You're going to wake up in Vancouver. You're going to be in Newfoundland the next day and uh, Nunavut the day after. It's like a hell of a commitment for somebody to make. So to Charlie, my hat's off to him because you've got to understand this is a pretty selfless uh, act on the part of somebody who wants to run for federal leadership because it is a tough go. It's hard provincially. I watch Andrew Horvath. She's never home. Patrick Mm -hmm. Brown, never Mm -hmm. home. Kathleen Wynne. Normally, never home. She has, a heli- <laughs> she has a helicopter to move her back and forth, but that's a whole other story. But 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 my point is, is that leaders, you know, leaders, it's it's a tough tough job for them to step yeah. up and to, to 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 be always on the road and not with their families to the degree that they will be, and they're in the limelight. Yeah. Everything you say is going to be criticized. I don't care if you're good or bad, and so. To Charlie, my hat's off to him. That uh, that is one selfless act uh, to want to run, and I wish him the well. And I know that if he gets elected, he will do well. He's one of those. He's one of those natural guys. You you know what? Uh, sitting down with him, it was the first time I'd ever gotten mm-hmm. to speak with him one on one or two on one, I guess. But uh, he was great. Like I I really felt like he was just a dude. You could sit yeah, here and yeah, just talk yeah. with him. You know, it, it wasn't. Um, what I'd expect from a federal politician. Yeah. I mean, I would have liked more time. Yes, I, I. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he he he, he, hard he was very yeah. generous uh, with us uh, uh, with his time, and uh, we appreciated that. But um, I I think it's uh, it's interesting to see, that you say that because I I had never really considered that how somebody who is running for the leadership of a party because you know what you you talk about even just being leader of the party, but if you're you're running for leadership, what you want to be is prime minister. No, absolutely. And, you don't, yeah. you don't and, do it yeah. otherwise. Yeah. Why and, would you? Exactly. And if you want to be prime minister, like yeah. you want to be busy. Yeah. And you want to be busy and, and for you a have long ide- time. And you have ideas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You have ideas of what you want to do. Yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe the delay in announcing is really um, taking a hard look and taking yeah. stock of like what what is going on. In hey, his everybody own life, has right? their strategies. But but part of it is that if you're going to if you're going to run nationally, you need seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Wow. Good point. <laughs> so, you know, that's part of the delay here. The part of the delay is if you notice, there's not a whole bunch of them that have announced. Yeah. And that is because they're all putting their money in place. They got to know once they announce, they've got the money to run. I ran in Ontario. It I, I I'm the only candidate who ran who didn't have a debt. I raised 125000 as I started and away I went. Right, That's all the cost provincially. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine you're running federally? When I ran, I can get money from business. People gave me checks for $5,000 a pop. 
right? I got local businesses here and businesses in Ontario, Sudbury, mm-hmm. different places, who gave me five thousand. I got unions that gave me five thousand dollar checks. That won't be uh, the case now. Not or- the case federally or provincially. It's thirteen hundred dollars maximum. Yep. So you got to run seven hundred fifty thousand dollars at thirteen hundred dollars a pop. Ooh, yeah. that's a that's a tough thing a to tough, do. That's tough. That's a lot of money. Do. That's a lot of people to, yeah. to talk to. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, we'll go to another thing. And actually, this is something that I've been uh, I've been thinking about, and I saw it in the news, and uh, it did come from uh, to, from Mister Gilbiso, <laughs> and it was just a comment that made by Mister Gilbiso. And I want to know uh, your reasoning, or and it's not that I'm trying to put you on the hot seat or or or, or grill you here. Uh, it was. Don't lie. Uh, you are. It was that people. Know, some people might know that I was a. Uh, I was an MNR Fire Ranger for multiple years. I was. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, I was here in 2012. Uh, my last year was uh, Tim's nine year. Oh, okay. the big fire. Okay. And I, I was at the command center. There you go. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, so there, there was a, a comment made, and to be fair, I was on the uh, Tim's Nine fire for like all of four seconds. I was actually stuck in <laughs> Subray, fighting fires in Subray and Link Lake the entire time, and never actually made it to Tim's. And, and nothing drove me nuts more. And I literally was going mad because nothing ever happens in Tim's, and it did that day. Uh, so there was a comment made, and I, I want to know your, your your reasoning or your your thought behind this because, like, I, I I do actually have a very uh, uh, a opposite view uh, about this. Uh, Fair enough. And one was you're saying that you were upset that the the premier, who I'm not a fan of, uh, was going after CEN, I believe it is, uh, for the bill for that fire. And you were saying that this is just another uh, money grab or another uh, you know ridiculous idea by the government to go after an, uh, a company like that for the, the cost of that fire when it's, it's the province's uh, provincial matter. You know, I've been on many fires. When it's been started by those individuals, it is their fault. They should pay for it. And one thing about the rail industry, since they've been privatized and 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 divested from the governments, they do not take care of of the rail of 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 the lines. And now fires start like almost daily when it comes to the spring because of rails and because they do not take they do not uphold it. There's no regulation actually holding them in place. So, what what was your reasoning for for you know arguing that? point that the province should should not be going after that. Well, I think you made the argument. Number one is we privatized. Number two, we deregulated. <laughs> right? <laughs> you made my <laughs> argument. So, so, so we do that, and then all of a sudden we say we're surprised with the outcome? True. True. Yeah. I'll give you that. That's essentially the argument. Okay, well, yeah. ruin the argument. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Privatization works well. well. All right, well, I can't really argue that. Yeah, so, you know, as, soon, as soon as you stop oversight, you, yeah, you know... Yeah. Who, who bears that burden now? It's yeah. well, yeah. yeah so, I, so I see that. So it says so that 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 was essentially what I was trying to get at. And of course, in the media, the only thing that you're reported on is the one line mm-hmm. that they want to write. They didn't get yeah. the, the other part of the interview, which was exactly that. Which I do only read Sun <clears throat> Media, yeah, Sun News. That's I, all I read so now. do I. Because well, <laughs> it's fun, actually. It's no, fun. I, I, listen, I I'm on Twitter and I'm on I, I there's uh, there's only one paper I don't read and I won't repeat on this show. Oh. And it's not a local paper. Okay, it's one. Oh, in tr- it's one in Toronto. I'll just leave it at that. Oh. I want to know now, but yeah. it's not the sun. Uh. It's not the sun with I'll the sunshine girl at the back page. <laughs> no, the sunshine girl's like the second or third page. Didn't She's you right stop doing that? Did they? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm in Toronto. I'm so. online, so online, I have no yeah. idea. Yeah, there you go. I do. I think they still show it online too. There's still always the sunshine girl. Jesus, I've never seen it online. Objectifying women. I have a daughter now. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, two daughters and uh, three granddaughters. Oh. 
So they really don't objectify. Like yeah. if I'm, I'm the only one who does now? Yeah. Oh, yeah Jay, Jay's the only childless one among us. Oh, oh, he'll understand he'll, one day. He'll, he'll change sooner or later. <laughs> no, um, well, I think we're, what are we at? We're at an, an hour and 46 minutes. What? Yeah, Man. What's time going flies on? when What's you're having on? fun. My God. Time flies when you're what having fun. What is this? A, a, this is a derby? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um, well, uh, what do you say, Jay? Do you have anything new for us for us to well, talk about on our first podcast of 2017? No, I think that's a, uh, I would argue this is pretty a good place to start. But I would love to have Jill back on again. Absolutely, I think we can uh, sure. go on forever Jill, about really, this stuff. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it, was it was a good time. It's a good medium yeah. because you get to sort of you know without any kind of uh, holes barred, you get to say what you got to say. Yeah, right? yeah, Which and this is, is this is the fun part about it is yeah. that you get to elaborate on yeah. your point. Yeah. It's not a soundbite medium yeah, yeah. some people have criticized us for going too long oh yeah we've told them to fuck off <laughs> and uh that's simple funny. as that that's funny <laughs> oh yeah we straight up have it but uh okay no do Jill, you have a problem expressing your true feelings uh, no. absolutely okay, not no this is this is the beauty of being online yeah. only there is no censoring of ourselves exactly especially when we're drinking you know like yeah. it's just the way it goes good beer, <laughs> it's good stuff well thank you very much for joining us tonight uh we really appreciate it. Um, we want to encourage everybody who is already who who may not have mm-hmm. uh, liked yep. us on Facebook yep. or subscribed to uh, to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play or whatever service you use. I don't know. We're on a shit ton of them right everything now, right? everything you think of for a podcast we are on it yeah awesome awesome well we've got some big plans for 2017 we've got some good stuff uh mm-hmm. coming up soon um you know hopefully we'll get jill back in the basement again to come hang out and uh drink some you more know what you guys got to do this this spring or this summer you got to come to the cottage set up over there and we'll do it by the lake hey i'm hey, down we, and i'll down. supply the beer we, oh, oh okay. my done, goodness done deal and deal okay is this media cozying up to pull no, no, yes no, we are no, yeah. no, no. oh no, no you guys can beat the shit out of me media. i don't care <laughs> you know what people have accused us of um, when we've talked about municipal politics, yes. they've accused us of being uh, a propaganda arm for the yes. municipal government. And okay. uh, yeah, it, it, it made me laugh. Yeah. I love it. I, I love it. I, I saw, I saw, I got to say, I saw your, uh, uh, the one show you did with Rinaldi and I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, we had a lot of fun with Noella. Yeah, yeah, she was, yeah, uh, was she job. was really good. You know? Excluding this podcast, of course, that was my favorite podcast. Yeah, this is your favorite one? Oh, of course. Oh, yes. come oh, on, Jason. Come on. Hang on, I got 10 bucks somewhere. <laughs> Thank you. Brown noser. <laughs> Brown noser. So, uh, uh, Jill, uh, I guess uh, where can people kind of uh, you know follow you or, or, or can see what you're doing? Because I know you're pretty uh, active on social media. Where can people check you out? Uh, social media, both Twitter and Facebook, but uh, always contact my constituency offices. And I'm in around the riding. You know, you'd be amazed how many people stop you as you're moving around uh, you know, shopping at the grocery store or just walking downtown, right? People uh, stop you, and that's fine. I don't have a problem. I got to tell you a little story. Okay. Sure. It's, uh, I don't know if people will catch this one, but I always remember, <clears throat> Alan Pope told me something. Alan was the former conservative member who was the member here for 14 years before I was elected. And he says, you know what? He says, I knew it when my predecessor was beat. And I says, what do you mean? And he says, well, he says, I would see him walk downtown. Back then there was a downtown, and uh, more so than it is now. And he says, I'd see him walk downtown, and he kept his eyes down. Mm-hmm. 
because he was trying to get from point A to point B without being interrupted. And he says, that's the point that I knew he was vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And that has always stuck with me. Alan Pope, thank you. Best advice you ever given me. My eyes are always lo- up, and I'm always, "Hey, buddy, glad to see you." <laughs> you well, you got to be able to answer. Oh Come man, right? If you you're not, if you're answer. not engaged, you're out of this. You know, so. I'll, I'll tell you right now. Like to me, it's like, oh man, I think about it. It's like it must be difficult just going to groceries because, like, well, you're stopped all the time. Yeah, instead of an hour, but it's fine. There, you're in there for three hours. I, I went into I went in to get some coffee and some sour cream today because I made pierogies from the. Uh, Dombrowski, whatever. There you go, Mark. Mark oh. Mark Durable. He still oh, had to come to the show. Get out here, man. That's good stuff. Over we, we, there. we tried not to give him plugs because we're waiting for him to come out. So I made some we chickens were- with some of that pierogies and all. Anyways, but anyways, so I went into the grocery <laughs> store because I needed sour cream. To get one tin of sour cream or one plastic thing of sour cream, it took me like a half hour to get through the grocery <laughs> store. My wife will not shop with me. <laughs> but it's fun. I don't mind. It's okay. Well, we're, we're really happy yeah. to have yeah. a representative who's that open to speaking with the public. And uh, you know what? We, we appreciate you coming on and speaking yeah. openly with us today, being candid and uh, really providing uh, your insight and opinions on a lot of things. Uh, thanks a lot. It was a real pleasure. Been a pleasure. Thanks we'll so see much. you guys at the cottages. Absolutely. <laughs> beers, uh, beers, and that's uh, the maybe, next episode. Yeah, yeah so, beers uh, on the side of the Camas Gosha Lake. Hey, hey that sounds yeah. very picturesque. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, uh, the Tim's Film Society does have a, ne- a showing next Monday, uh, the January January twenty third. Uh, it's only the end of the world, or just la fin du monde. It is a Franco Canadian, so uh, oh, yes. recording Quebec. So uh, uh, I would say uh, check that out. Uh, we did have a great one just this Monday with. Uh, uh, the film uh, Mean Dreams, and we had a, the producer uh, uh, William Woods in to do a Q and A. That was awesome, actually. It was really good, yeah. and uh, uh, he had some local connections, so that was really good. His film is Hussein Marie, so it was a great film. Uh, so uh, yeah, come check that out, uh, and yeah, uh, you know, like us on Facebook, do all that good stuff. Nice, right on. Yeah, everybody who hasn't liked us on Facebook, who hasn't um, for some reason is listening and not doing any of that shit, you know, go ahead and do that. Um, I, I guess I got some personal announcements. Uh, my band LaForge is playing an acoustic set on February 24th, uh, at the working class, uh, opening for a new local band. That's, uh, that's really, uh, getting some, some buzz and some excitement, uh, a band called featherweight, uh, post hardcore, pop punk band so uh should be a good time anybody who's interested come on out uh check out the event on facebook and uh yeah you know what i'm gonna throw our outro to mr jason boissonneau who's gonna give us a quote for all right drinking for drinking so our our uh, our Beer. first quote of 2017 uh. is from uh, mr arnold schwarzenegger uh <laughs> milk is for babies when you grow up you have to drink beer. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Do it again in the Arnold voice. No, I can't. <laughs> Milk is for babies. When you grow up, you have to drink beer. <laughs> Very well done. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Well done. See you next week. <laughs>